0: Air, water, earth, fire. For hundreds of years, the Four Nations have lived in harmony. The Avatar, master of all four elements, was always responsible for maintaining the peace. But Avatar Roku passed away 13 years ago. Now, the Four Nations look to the Air Nomads to reveal the next Avatar, but the world is met with silence. Rumors from the Earth Kingdom abound that the Fire Nation is planning an aggressive move into the Earth Kingdom. Five young heroes were too late to save the Southern Air Temple, but they hold vital information that could save the Earth Kingdom and maybe even save the world.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome to the second episode of Behind the Bison. Um, Last week, we started this little mini interseason series just exploring our first season of the flying bison podcast and oh was it fun did you guys have fun
2: i had a moderate amount of fun yeah it was it was all right
3: i had a non non non-zero non-zero amount of fun
2: yeah it was more than none (laughs) but it was less than
1: a million Yeah, a
4: million fun is so much fun. It's a lot
2: of
5: fun. Yeah, it's high
1: density fun. It leaves a lot of room for interpretation. I appreciate that. I can just imagine whatever number I want now. Um, But yeah, so last week we covered um, basically the first half of the season. Um, Like I said last week, everything leading up to that uh, pivotal moment um, at the Fortress of Ash. And this week, today, we're going to be talking about everything that happened after that yes um the return to omashu after that the tragedy of the fortress of ash and the journey the last half of the journey to bossing say and all the crazy things that happened there are you guys ready for that
4: yeah it got it, it did get crazier in? didn't it i feel like justin oh, did a good yeah. job
1: just ramping everything
4: <laughs> constantly yeah. until yeah. we all kind of needed. uh therapy (laughs) but
1: Mm -hmm. it's my superpower (laughs) it is (laughs) i i I definitely need therapy after after being in this podcast justin thank you for that that's good that's
2: one of my like (laughs) that's one of my personal gm goals like magpie and avatar legends it says like these are the things you should try and hit every episode and for me it's like i want them to have to go to a therapist after
1: (laughs) (laughs) that is so that's so unheartening i love that. yeah Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's a couple things I want to talk about um, considering the whole return to Omashu after what happened at the Fortress of Ash. But um, until Nick gets here, let's talk about our first new character introduction because we had our first character death. That horrible moment. Osa falling. Oh no. And from that, we had our first character uh, a new character introduction, the introduction of uh Shoban or Gemi at the time, yeah. No, all of my Google Docs just went like blank in their low. <laughs> oh, no, okay. Well, while, while it's coming in, Johnny, I'm, I'm curious, like, because
2: we created all of our characters together
5: mm-hmm.
2: and recorded us doing that. I'm curious, like, what the process was for you having to do that by yourself and like thinking about how how does this person like interact with the group how do they like fit in
3: yeah i think it it was interesting i mean i spent a lot of time kind of just thinking about what was re- osas relationship with all of the different other characters and how could i make shoban different in certain ways and how could i make him Potentially, and make things about him intentional to connect with some other characters, and maybe make him a a foil for others, and things like that. Um, Making making Shoban alone, it it was an interesting process. It was was very different from making him with everybody else. Uh, But I spent a lot of time thinking about what I would have done if I was with everybody else making him. If that makes sense, Mm, mm. yeah, Mm. that does. That is really
2: interesting. Uh, no, Caleb, you asked if we recorded the process of Johnny making Shoban, and no, Johnny and I were just texting about it. Mm -hmm. It was all secret.
3: Yeah. And I will say, I mean, this kind of even answers, uh, another question. I think somebody asked, I wasn't even originally planning on having Gemi be like brainwashed and become Shoban. that came out of conversations with me Mm. and Justin. That was like a progression of things. That wasn't the initial plan.
2: What? How? I'm trying to remember who came up with the idea first.
3: I think it I'm was to... you. Because I had the idea for Uncle Simu and some of the stuff kind of with his relationship with Uncle Simu. And then yes. you were like, well, what if this yes. is why they have this strength relationship?
5: Mm.
2: Yes, that was it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I know I didn't just come up with that out of the blue. Like, there's something you and I were talking about that I was like, oh, what about this? A sort of like as an explanation for that, and it just sort of developed into its own Mm -hmm. thing.
4: Hmm. That's epic.
1: Um, Another thing I wanted to touch on, um, considering that the whole Return to Omashu, that was one of the first, like really like intergroup conflicts that we had. That conflict between the, um, the Launcher brothers, at least it was like one of the heavier ones, one of the first heavier, like interpersonal conflicts that we had. So, what
4: were y'all fighting about? What are we all
1: fighting about? So I guess um, first a question for Nick: How was that just playing that out in the moment? Because I know for me personally, I was like, I want to get some fights going. <laughs> 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 I want to get some some juicy angst up in here, and I want to I want to challenge.
6: <laughs> so to be clear, and to answer Steve's question, we were fighting because. <laughs> out of nowhere my brother is like yeah i'm just gonna drag this unconscious dude around me with me for the foreseeable future i'm just gonna do it and i was like what <laughs> excuse me <laughs> that makes no sense that's a pretty foolproof plan <laughs> haven't we
4: all been there though just dragging <laughs> around somebody
3: <laughs> very reminiscent of a uh, necromancer character i played in the DD campaign once. <laughs>
1: You know, I was so I was thinking character. about I was thinking about taking Rozek down a necromancy route. You know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> wrong system,
5: <laughs> wrong
1: system, exactly. Uh no! I remember being really like, uh, what am I? Because I wanted to, because I wanted to touch on Dosa not just being Rozek's rival, but also like being like because he was like he did consider Dosa like his best friend. So I wanted to, like, kind of show that, like, mental conflict going on in Rosick's mind. Like, I want this person to be, I want, like, this person to be nearby just in case, like, you know, we can, like, force a redemption, Arkondosa. But also, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, like thinking that. like thinking, I want to force a redemption, Arkondosa. Also,
4: <laughs> I was going to say, I did not want to be the next best friend of Rosick. But... Uh... Yeah, I get why you did what you did, you know? I thought that was actually very powerful.
6: Well, I think it's... The the reason why, were, as much as you wanted to... Uh, you were like, I want to fight. <laughs> I was just like... Jay Ch- 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 just was not ever going to be, like, okay with this. Because it just yeah. it made no sense. <laughs> it
1: made no sense.
6: And it wasn't the kind of, like, Rosic plan where it was like... This doesn't make sense, but somehow it's just going to work for us. It was just like a... You're endangering all of us for... Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> not, not, a, <laughs> not a dang thing. So,
4: <clears throat> Yeah, that was probably Rosic's lowest point, wouldn't you say, Danny? Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, no, yeah, definitely. I feel like that's... Rosic like, only had up to move from there. <laughs> <laughs> um, another really, really interesting thing that we explored in that arc was when Che kind of started learning the crystal banding. Which was very, very cool. I believe that was when we explored um a new mechanic from the finished rule set from the finished rule book. The mechanic of actually like training under a mentor. And so yeah, Justin and Nick, how was like basically broadcasting this brand new mechanic that you guys
6: just learned over the podcast and yeah. Should we give it from the from the player perspective and then the DMX perspective? Sure, or? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, wanna know yeah, what yeah. you're thinking. Yeah, so at first it was very confusing because we didn't have the rules at first, right? Like we didn't have <laughs> rules for learning. So we were just kind of like playing it, you know, just whatever, uh, whatever works. Um, when the rules did come out, we were kind of in a position where it was like, when do we roll for this <laughs> or if <have laughs> I already kind of rolled for it or, um, but I think, I think it worked out really well. It was very satisfying and obviously very exciting as a player to like have this like cool move that
2: mm-hmm. it's just for me.
6: Uh, so that was that was all pretty cool. What about you, Justin?
2: Um I think I was pretty upfront with you. Like, you know, we'll we'll just play this out narratively and then once the once the rules come out for like learning this sort of stuff, then we'll kind of go back and reassess and figure out, you know, what do we need to do? Do we need to roll anything? And yeah, I think it. I think it ended up being uh, like it was still working. Um, that was actually one of the reasons, not one of the reasons, but that was a big reason why Boomy showed up again in that in that <laughs> yeah. arc at at uh, Full Moon Bay because I thought, oh, well, that that seems to make sense. Like Boomy has a grasp on this. He's a very accomplished Earthbender, even at his young age. Uh, he has already said he was going to be on his way to bossing say so it's not totally out of the realm of possibility that he would just run into you guys and so rather than uh king king malu be your your mentor for crystal training crystal bending it ended up being boomy which i think makes uh i also liked too because you guys really connect it with boomy a lot um so i think there's even some room for you know now that che has that move practiced um he can go to boomy and we can have, uh, you know, Boomy give him a mastery condition, which I, what is Boomy's
6: mastery task? I am definitely Jay. excited. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not excited to find out. Um, <laughs> I'm sure everyone else is. No, I'm also honorable mention. I feel like we haven't mentioned that we we home. Well, Justin homebrewed that move. That yeah. yeah. A, a Justin or a, I don't know if that was brought up. I feel like I missed it, but. We might have mentioned it, but
2: yeah, I I had kind of set it up. And then I think Johnny and Nick and I were chatting about something else and I sent it to you guys. And you guys were like, oh, what if it was like this instead? Um, We changed like just a couple minor things. But like, yeah, I I love homebrewing that sort of stuff. And I think from the beginning, I want it to... And I want to explore more of this with some of your other characters. Like I, I love the sub bending stuff in avatar, like a character learning some form of bending that only is known by a few people. Like that stuff's just so interesting to me. And I think what's interesting to me about it is that it's rare, is that it's unique, is that it's different. And so like, there's some sense in which just doing the sub bending that we do know about doesn't quite hit that same thing. Thing for me so I was like mm. "Well, we need, I would love to introduce different types of sub bending
5: mm-hmm.
1: and yeah I kind of just want to explore what we think our sub bending ability would be like in terms of like would it be like metal bending would it be healing would it be like we as people yes us as people <laughs> interesting
2: yeah I it's, it's so interesting to me because there are there's some types of bending that have like way more subbending um i am i know people peg me as a waterbender and i think my choices at that point are like healing and Mm. bloodbending oh that's like pure opposites
5: and those are literally
2: could not be the more opposite (laughs) from each other so i'm definitely not a bloodbender for sure so so healing
4: I forget what we established. I think that some of y'all argued that I might have earth bending tendencies, but then I felt like I was more of an airbender in real life. Um, hmm. The extreme of that, I mean, I'd love to levitate.
3: <laughs> just got to get Is rid that, of all attachment. No, flight.
4: Yeah, yeah. I just have to detach myself from the world, which... You know, for those who are into Enneagram, it's kind of part of my avoidance anyway, as a seven, Enneagram oh, seven, there So there you go. I'm already trying to detach myself a little bit. <laughs> so maybe that's my sub bending if I could master that. Yeah.
1: Detachment. Yeah, just not caring at all about any of you. <laughs> that's my superpower. <laughs> oh. I feel like flight would be the one I want to have, because that's just so Ooh, fun. Who doesn't it want so cool. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> But I'm not. I don't. I don't know which, like technically, which one I'd be able to tap
6: into in real life. I did want to say because Chad mentioned it because there's plant bending with water bending,
5: mm-hmm. and
6: there's also like ice and steam,
5: mm-hmm. and they're all
6: kind of seen as like these accessible things that any waterbender can learn. But I feel like if you were to have like a signature style, it would probably be like plant bending.
1: Yeah.
4: Me? Yes. Oh, you? Me? Plant
6: bending? Why? That's what I get. I don't know.
4: You just got like a foggy swamp vibe from Justin? I got like a foggy swamp
6: vibe? (laughs) No, just like something about plants. What do
4: you think, Doe? Think we should go over there and eat that there uh, flying bison? I do love Cajun food. (laughs) Oh. There you go. Maybe
3: Justin would be the most rare kind of waterbender and become the moon.
2: I
4: (laughs) yes.
1: That's my sub bending.
4: People are lining up to become the moon.
1: <laughs> my sub bending is I am the moon. <laughs> I am the moon. <laughs> Ocean bending. <laughs> uh, Johnny Monroe. What do you guys think? What, what I you think, think, think of you? we
3: we had this conversation a little bit last time too. I like I always feel like I'm right on on the line on the fence about whether I'm an earthbender or a firebender. Um, and so I think I I generally lean toward earthbender. Uh, but I think maybe that question of whether I'm a firebender puts me in the lava bending camp.
2: Mm. Mm-hmm. There you go.
3: The wrath of Johnny. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Ro? Uh,
7: I always thought I was more of a waterbender, so mm. I'm gonna have to go with bloodbending with this one. I think I. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have. Some dark tendencies. We're working <laughs> this, on it, though.
4: Yeah, the secret mm. is that Monroe has not been acting
3: at all.
7: <laughs> yeah. That wasn't dark. No, no.
3: no, mother- arc <laughs> was wish fulfillment, not uh... a <laughs>
7: <laughs> 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 improv storytelling.
5: Oh my god, <laughs> oh, that's
7: funny.
4: Just needed a place to express yourself.
7: Yeah, but you know, ice is pretty cool too, though. Ice so maybe I'd mm-hmm. be ice
4: all the stuff you can do with ice i mean the stuff to do with ice is so elaborate in the series mm-hmm. i love it
7: yeah i have a, a journal full of just things to do with ice like you know, <laughs> with ice knuckles, <laughs> ice spears ice shields there's like so much to do. i have like a cocktails full of, yeah <laughs> i
1: was waiting for you somebody know, ice, to say something uh, ice that. cutlery that's awesome sculptures <laughs> yeah like a bunch of little ice legos
7: yes <laughs> that is <laughs>
1: <the> probably <laughs> difficult but yeah it glues yeah it's kind of nice there you go yeah <laughs> so moving into i'm calling it the, G- the genu arc this is actually pretty it's gonna be interesting for me to talk about because i wasn't there the first episode when we moved into this arc <laughs> um rose was there but not really where's wasn't there <laughs> um that's when the whole um soul exchange thing happened that's when people weren't themselves um oh that was weird yeah that was very weird um justin for you was that was that something that you were planning or is that kind of like oh we're missing we're missing a podcaster i'm just gonna throw an npc in his in his brain (laughs) um honestly
2: i don't remember
3: if i can jump in there because i remember the conversations about that because when I was mm-hmm. gone, when we did the Foggy Swamp episodes with the cabin, there was like a natural party split, so it was easy to keep Osa out of those episodes. And we had conversations mm-hmm. about like, do we manufacture a party split so that Rozak doesn't have to be here, or like, you know, mm-hmm. what do what do we do? And then I don't know how you came up with the idea, but at that point, Justin, you were like, okay, I think I know what I'm going to do, and then kept it a surprise I, for you're us.
2: You're right. I- yeah, I do think it was in the moment, like, as we were talking, I was, like, doing the GM brain thing and, like, running through a bunch of scenarios and being like, what what makes the most sense? Mm. Um, the I, the, the Genu arc was very interesting to me because, so, I don't know if you guys remember this at all, but when you left Omashu, I explicitly asked you guys how you were gonna get to Bossing Sei. And I laid out your options. One being go through the Siwang Desert and the other being going around the Siwang Desert. And I I think I did a pretty good job of not telegraphing which one I had wanted you to go down. Um but you guys Decided to go around the Siwang Desert, so I had to <laughs> I had to flip and make make some changes in some of the things that I was thinking through. Um, so, like a lot of a lot of that next arc. So, like Chenao and Naozao as you're camping and all the stuff in Genu. That was kind of me coming up with that stuff a lot more on the spot than I
3: normally do. Mm. That's that's interesting. Yeah. I'm curious about like Sorry. I know as a player not necessarily like my my player thoughts influenced my character decisions in this case for sure. But like I remember when you gave us that choice feeling like I as a player didn't want to go through the Siwang Desert specifically because mm. in Avatar The Last Airbender we spend so much time as viewers watching them in the desert specifically on their way to Bossing Sing Se, And I didn't want to feel mm-hmm. like we were retreading the same ground. Just do
2: that again. Mm. And I I love that, and I think that's a it's a great decision. It, it, it ended up being like some of my favorite stuff. Um, like it was, um, you know, I I, I don't want to say like too much, but like I, there was, I wanted to go into more Shoban stuff. If mm. you went into the Sea Wong mm. Desert, um, because of you know Shoban's ability to sandbend seemed like a natural way to like keep putting some of his character in the spotlight for you all to interact with as a new party member. And so having to like, um, and I, you know, forget too, that like general, she, you just took out general, she too. And so I also had to have this like shift of like, all right, where is the big bad coming from? Like, where is the final fight going to happen in this season? If it's not who I thought it was going to be this entire time. Um so there was like a lot of uh, perspective shifting in those first few episodes after Omashu.
3: That's cool. I one of the things I really like about the Jinu arc is the fact that we didn't finish it. Like yeah. so it was yeah. the first time we had to like actually run from something and we ended up I not hate that about it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I love that. Like I think it I I'm I'm in Steve's camp. As
4: a, as a, I felt so disappointed leaving. You know, I like, I did too. I think failure. that's why
3: I love it. Like, I feel like there now that there's now that we didn't finish something. One, there's things to like explore still within mm-hmm. our own history. But then mm-hmm. also, like, I don't know. Failure builds in, in storytelling. Failure builds.
4: Don't character. sound like my dad. oh you did it. It'll did it. I feel. Like, I feel like.
1: <laughs> I feel like it helped our characters feel more real too. Like we're mm. we're not we weren't able to just go down the road on the way to Bossing Say and like succeed at every obstacle that was in our way. Like we we met something and ultimately we weren't able to conquer it. And I think that just really helped us feel more grounded in reality and feel like real like relatable mm-hmm. teenagers.
4: <laughs> I will say to Johnny's point that I think some of the intensification of like group drama and therefore like bonding in our relationships, like that came into more sharp focus because of that failure. Like that was part of like maybe shifting our sense of self a bit as a group, mm. like, Oh, not everything mm. we touch turns to gold. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
6: Well, no, just to build off of that. I feel like that was the tone of this entire half of the season, right? Cause mm. Finishing Omashu felt like a failure. It felt like we lost, right? Because mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. lost Oso. And then immediately, Rosic and Che have this argument and this, mm-hmm. this big, huge thing that they're doing. And then we just kind of like leave and, uh, you know, throw, us, throw Justin's plans in, into the garbage. And then, like, Che has to deal with his dad and then doesn't really deal with it. And then we all we just have to leave behind Genu. And then we get into Lico stuff. And that doesn't go well either. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of like, <laughs> like the first half was very much like, a, yeah, we're going places and we're doing stuff and we're getting it done. And then the second half is like, we're going places. It was a reality chart. and <laughs>
5: Stuff is happening yeah. to us. Yeah.
7: Yeah. I think Lika was the one who kind of gave the bad juju. She was the mm. one who said, like, haven't you noticed, remember that line? Like, haven't you mm. noticed that every like, yeah. everywhere we go, we just like destroy everything? Yeah. yeah
2: mm. That stuck with me. That stuck with me too, Monroe.
4: That translated to my real life. That was so impactful. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no.
2: <laughs> no, it was great. No, it, was, it
4: I think that even helped me to
2: like that. I think ended up being... You know, it's improv storytelling. So like you don't quite know what's going to happen or where things are going to go. But I think that ended up being like one of the big themes of this first season was like, what what can you all do together? And what can you do alone? And what are the Mm -hmm. things that you can't do alone that you have to learn how to do together and not just like physically around each other, but like working together.
3: Mm -hmm. Hmm.
7: But also who we are apart.
2: Yeah. And who you are. Exactly. It's that, it's that balance of like, who are you as an individual
6: and who are you in the group? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nick, what
7: were you saying?
6: I was just going to say, I think the biggest answer to Justin's question or like the proposed question of the season was, was failure. It was what we couldn't Mm -hmm. do alone. We couldn't handle failure alone. We were all just falling apart every time. Mm -hmm. And uh, it it was coming together that made it even possible for us to keep moving forward.
3: I think one of the other big themes that started to come out in that arc, with the possible exception of Rozak, but not even entirely, was this theme of who you actually are versus who everyone expects you to be.
5: Hmm.
3: And like who you've been told you're supposed to be.
7: Yeah, but also who we expect us to be too, yeah, and realizing exactly. we're not that mm-hmm. either. Yeah, and I think the second half of the season really did have those, I guess those morals, the the the, the moral of the stories points. It yeah. was like mm-hmm. it was almost hit after hit. Like the first season was almost setting it up to be like, oh yeah, we're a bunch of kids, everything's gonna work out for us because you know <laughs> that's just how this how this is. And then the second half was like, oh no, this is gonna be hard.
1: Mm, yeah. The second half justin made us cry every <laughs> single week.
7: <laughs> oh, I remember I remember like we would get so mad at him.
1: You, you guys don't understand it.
7: <laughs> like, we almost like cursed him out at the end of one of like <laughs> we were so mad at him.
1: So we weren't ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> Signs of a good GM, you know. Um yeah. while while we're on everything that happened in Gnu, there were some interesting things that happened there, other than the whole um people are not themselves literally <laughs> um that was also the introduction of um the prophecy the the launcher prophecy we can call it and um Alyssa had a couple questions regarding that Alyssa from discord um they asked how much did you prepare for the prophecy stuff for rose like and Che, um the scroll ingenue did you know ahead of time that psycon would be making an appearance Or are most of those choices made as you go? Do you just keep certain characters in mind for who could show up if given the opportunity?
2: One of the things when I had first thought of a prophecy Mm. uh, that I didn't want to do was to have a, a solution to the prophecy. Or like mm. have the events in mind to like what that prophecy refers to, because that felt very antithetical to to how Powered by the Apocalypse works,
5: mm-hmm.
2: um, and honestly, just to how like I would imagine prophecy would work in real life. Like it would not be clear. Um, mm. It should be, uh, you know. Like I drew a little bit um, on some of my like studies in religion, where like you read these uh, like biblical prophecies, and you realize that and when we read it now we attribute it to some moment in the future
5: mm-hmm. but
2: for them it was a very clear like almost present thing like they were they were imagining these events mm-hmm. uh, in a much different fulfillment than we were
5: mm-hmm. and
2: so i i i wanted to have it be ambiguous i wanted to have nowsout think the prophecy was one thing and then kind of leave it up to Mostly Rosic and Che to kind of figure out like what actually does this prophecy mean.
1: Yeah, I think I definitely that's probably something that me Danny the player was thinking in terms of that as well. Like I feel like Zhao is kind of catering this prophecy towards him. <laughs> you know, like the entire time I was thinking that he's just wrong. It's, it's the spiritual prophecy is not about him at all. Um, I don't know if like if Rosic wasn't necessarily. Keeping that in mind. I feel like Rosa kind of just acknowledged the whole prophecy scroll thing and then just sort of dropped it. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't want to talk about it too much
2: because I do think there's still a lot of room to 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 use it. Um because it like in my head, I think you're exactly right. Like now Zhao and this prophecy and now Che are still all wrapped up together. Like what exactly Mm -hmm. does it mean? Where is it going? um so and then the psycon thing um i so i mean maybe this is lifting well here's what you do as a gm empowered by the apocalypse right like you you prep certain things you don't prep solutions you prep certain things a lot of times that's just prepping how npcs are acting in the world without you interfering with them Mm. and um it, it just ended up happening well that like because we had set up that scene with Naozao and Che, um, all of a sudden I was like, well, he's already in the area, um, and that means the Fire Nation's in the area, and I, th- I think Naozao is gonna try and use the cover of a Fire Nation invasion to test test out these you new machines of war. To steal the scroll. That was the cover to to get to, to Genu and steal the scroll. Mm. And so I did always was like, Sycon will show up eventually. The Fire Nation army proper will show up eventually because Now's out is still trying to play the Fire Nation a little bit and still be buddy buddy with them.
1: So mm. I like that. Um another big moment in the Genu arc was the um the challenge that showban presented to Psycho for the one on one duel um i don't fully remember but that wasn't really planned right <laughs> no not at all <laughs> yeah not at all, not at all.
5: <laughs>
4: uh, i think showban just wanted to impress lego
3: honestly <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was
4: just like a teen <laughs> boy moment. It's like, well, I challenge you to the death. I think
3: we talked about that like off air after that episode. Like that was right. fully mm-hmm. what was going through Shobon's
6: mind at the time.
4: Yeah. Mm. What might have been, you know.
6: Tay <laughs> would have also done the same thing because specifically because he was a firebender. Like cuz it would have made sense to do so. Like this is a firebender. If you challenge him to a one-on-one duel, he will be honor-bound to accept, and it's your best chance at surviving this. But I love that you were just like, yeah, this is a girl over here. I'm going to fight this guy.
1: (laughs) I mean, I feel like it kind of worked. Monroe. Yeah. Monroe, you feel like being in Liko's mind, it kind of worked, right? (laughs) Liko seemed kind of like at least a little more worried about Shoban in that moment, you know?
7: (laughs) Yeah, she was definitely losing her sense of self during that time. She usually doesn't care about other people. Not that that's <laughs> a bad thing, but it was just the way how she kind of grew up. That was like, that was the start of it, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she was definitely worried. Um, I don't think she knew why.
4: Yeah, yeah. when you can't get, yeah. you know, overt affection, just get some worry, you know? <laughs>
7: well, she, I, I, I feel thing. like she also has anxiety because mm. she's so mm. self so like everything's, she bottles everything up. So I feel like she has anxiety. And I think like she was making it worse in her head. And also there was like, she didn't even know what that was with Shoban.
5: Mm-hmm.
7: Like what, what were they? What weren't they? And then like, you know, here he was, um, possibly about to die, you know? So it was, that was very confusing for Liko and for me, Monroe, to, to play. Like, um, how do I approach this? There's, this? there's this person that is not supposed to mean anything to me, but he, for some reason, he kind of does. So it kind of worked out, I think. It showed the human side mm. of uh, Liko, yeah. I think.
1: Something like that.
4: Your heart is not made of stone, Liko.
7: <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I think. Well, I think we learned that before. Yeah. Before, Shoko. Is that what they, they call Shoko. it, Shoko? Yeah. <laughs> before Shoko. That's a
2: good. That's a good name for it. Yeah.
4: I like it better than Libon. Bon. yeah. Yes. yeah. Bon, Oh my
2: god. It's much better than Libon. Bon's like Cinnabon's
4: new menu innovation.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um I believe um Monroe, you were just talking about when Liko had said this, and I believe that was when um when 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 Liko had said, like I feel like no matter where we go, we leave destruction in our wake, basically. I believe that was said at the inn. After we had left, um, GNU. and yeah. even that whole whatever the things we did in that inn, that was just a relief. I could even call that an arc in and of itself. <laughs> the inn after Geniu was some. There was a room full of beds. There was <laughs> there was a there's a team huddle, a group meeting in the in the PDR private dining room. <laughs> um, I know Alyssa from Discord was asking what are some of our favorite moments from um inside that inn
7: definitely the mattresses um, was funny yeah <laughs> it's, funny. <laughs> yeah, it's it
1: was was funny i don't think it was I, mattresses i think it was full beds we moved full beds i think you guys <laughs> said that we moved, we moved all mattresses. our beds
6: into the room i'm pretty sure we did just say beds but like yeah. it would have made more sense to say mattresses i was,
1: I was picturing you guys like taking like basically like 30 to 45 minutes pushing all of your beds into rosic's <laughs> like, room and that's also why rosic was like
5: what the heck
7: this is why it took so long to complete our mission <laughs> like, <laughs> we didn't think just take the mattresses we said no we gotta take the whole bed like everything <laughs> box spring everything like
6: you're right. I'm not doing this without a box, frame, Come on.
2: <laughs> I also, I also liked at some point when we realized that in order to put all the beds in there, that there you would have to move like all the desks out and put it all in a desk room. So there's like a bedroom <laughs> and a desk room and a closet
5: room. So <laughs> yep. much
2: work. And then we that poor left old, right lady
5: in the, in the old lady coming into the rooms afterwards and
2: being like. Come on. <laughs>
7: Come
6: on. What am I going to oh, do? No. I think
7: that has and got left to left be... it that way.
6: <laughs> yep. He just left. Oh, Also, the window was broken. Yeah. yeah. And you broke her window. The yeah. That window, was not. Our the window fault. was not
3: only broken, but <laughs> Che had, like, put it all back. It was still broken, but Che had, like, put the whole window back up. So it yeah. was broken, but put back, <laughs> back
6: in place. Well, at least we won't get blamed for the window. It's,
1: it's there, are, there were just so many great moments in that end. Because also, after the window had broken, that's when Justin, like, there is something underneath a piece of glass, but you couldn't see it because it was
6: underneath the glass. And I was like, I couldn't. I couldn't see it. it's a glass. It was you TV. can see through glass <laughs> <laughs> i was like wait wait <laughs> wait wait before we get too far out, out of the end i i do it felt <clears throat> it was it was one of my favorite moments of gm uh, of uh, justin's gming mm. because it genuinely felt like me and chay felt like nowzow was like playing 3d chess and I was like 4d chess and I was just playing checkers and it was just like it felt like he had he just had everything accounted for and was just completely surrounding and that's why Che finally broke down and like talked to everyone because it Mm -hmm. felt like there was no way he could ever out like outmaneuver his dad because he just like showed up he was just there and then he was just there again but this time with an army like it was like Mm -hmm. I gotta do something (laughs) so Mm -hmm um i did i didn't want to point that out because it genuinely felt like i was like doing this mind game against this character who does not exist and you are not necessarily driving to just be like an antithesis to like my experience Mm.
5: uh
6: and it was super cool so i just wanted to say that that was super cool thank you
7: i'm gonna tag along with that one because uh vico had something similar with uh (laughs) iron yeah yeah it always felt like he was Two five steps ahead of her, no matter what happened, and it was like one of those things where I was like, I don't even know what to do as a like, as a mm-hmm. player, as like an actor, as just me. <laughs> like, I felt like I was in complete like control, but also non-control at the same time. It
5: really I good, have Justin.
2: I have never found villains that are like big meat bags that like th- their thing is they're strong, right? And it's like, oh my gosh, how are we gonna like fight this super strong person? Like, I always gravitate towards the villain who maybe isn't like the strongest physically, but is just prepared for, they've already thought through what you are Mm going to do. And so it's, I think in this sort of story, it, it works well because it forces you to be creative Yeah, and it forces you to have to come up with solutions that aren't just, um, I punch them until they
5: give up.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like all of the villains this season were really crafty and like really, calculating people oh yeah i think like the closest to the like brute you could just punch your way out of this were she and Sycon.
6: yeah
7: mm-hmm she, we had to
6: do a lot more than just punch her way out. Mm-hmm. uh but it was also pointed out in chat that you, you monroe you were pointing out that it was like a mon uh lico had a similar thing going on with her as che but like we also in that conversation those characters were like yeah, we both hate this. This both they, like it, they recognize it in each other, and we were both like, "This sucks." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, yeah, and I think that was another one of the. Well, it kind of ties in with all of the themes of the season of just like destiny and and what that is and what it is to have these ideas like of who you should be or what you should do forced on you and how you respond to that and what that makes you
7: speaking of prophecies, I don't think Lico had a prophecy per se that was laid out before her, but she did have something, right? Like didn't Iron kind of like
6: plans, right? Like everyone had plans for her.
7: Exactly. And I think like that's something that both Lico and Shay kind of bonded over was the fact that everybody had these plans for them, except for them.
6: Yes. She was like, I just wanna I don't know, I just wanna go to and say. I don't I don't know what all this is. If it's
0: yeah.
4: any consolation, Ren does not have a plan for your lives.
6: Yeah. <laughs> it actually is though. That's why, that's why it worked out so well between us. Why we're hanging in I was there, say, you know? like Sh- exactly. Chopin
3: could have related so well. Like his pl- the, the other people's plans for him were so strong they brainwashed him for it.
6: You <laughs> 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 had to go and box him out. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, I don't know, man. You brought a cop to Che, I just, I just, <laughs> I just ran with it.
5: Fair enough.
4: Shoban definitely takes the cake for like the most targeted, beat up player of anyone in the group. Like by other players, I think. <laughs> like,
7: oh yeah, yeah I was yeah. like, I think Liko got beat up pretty badly, but yeah, in terms of like never like catching a break emotionally, mentally, and physically, mm-hmm. it's definitely Shoban.
1: Yeah. While well, while we're on a topic of Shoban slash Gemmy slash Johnny, um, <laughs> we have a question. I forgot where it was from. So if anyone does not remember, if you can help help me help jog my memory, but the question was um, for Johnny: How was it playing two different characters in the same show slash campaign? But you were basically basically played three characters <laughs> yeah. in this in this season. <laughs> so how was that?
3: <laughs> it was a lot of fun for me. I mean, honestly. Uh, <laughs> it was i i have i i try i've gotten better about this but i have always been the sort of person who like as soon as i roll a character i roll another one that i want to play more than the one i've already committed to um (laughs) and so uh it was it was fun getting to kind of be myself in that way (laughs) during the Mm. during the campaign or during the first season
2: i have I've, I've GM for people and I've GM for tons of people like that. And I've had to like, I, I personally as a GM hate just changing characters just cause you're bored with the character. You want to try something new. Mm-hmm. So that's why, but like the end of Osa's end didn't feel like that. Yeah, Like it, it, it did not feel like you were intentionally trying to Get rid of yeah, Osa. and so I you play with that, someone else. Yeah. Like it, it, it. I know you weren't, and that's why I, I wasn't. Like I was, I was okay with it because it was like this feels like what Osa would do in that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be very heroic. It would be very final, but it would be what he would want to do.
3: Yeah. So,
7: mm-hmm.
5: I was so. And strong. same with Shoban
2: at the end of the season.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Like you know, it's just it. It felt natural for for show to stop adventuring mm-hmm. and stay in basing like it just feels like what it would happen yeah.
1: so speaking of that speaking of osa johnny's character and that pivotal traumatic moment that kind of caused a stopping point um in the group um now that we're on the genu arc this is where we sort of met another pivotal traumatic stopping point um, a loss of something, not a character, <laughs> but a limb. a piece of a character. A piece of a character. Um, um, I just want to ask about that quick. We'll get more into um why the group found themselves um at the Tesoro ruins in the first place. But Fakbo from Discord asked a very just in general, how was it? A, how was the decision made? To remove Liko's arm, and it was—I remember it being very in the moment,
5: mm-hmm.
1: being very, very
5: fast-paced.
1: In the moment.
7: <laughs> I mean, I think it's on the podcast. That's exactly how it played out.
1: Yeah, it wasn't
7: <laughs> planned. It just—it was like,
1: yeah, it was, it was a know, basically role.
7: the roll of the yeah. dice. The—the
5: yeah.
2: The, I think the only thing we cut out is the like. There are a couple times that I like am rambling, and I stop and make sure that what's about to happen is okay with you. Like, I didn't want to say what was going to happen because I did want to, like, I wanted to have that shock value because that felt really important in that moment. But I also wanted to, like, telegraph, like, this is going to be really bad. Mm -hmm. Are you sure you're okay with me going this far? Because I can pull back Mm -hmm. and do something else. And you were all like, do it. Just go for it.
1: I hated that so much because Rose like had not he had no nothing to, he there's nothing he could do. <laughs> <laughs> he, he had used yeah. all his energy to do that super firebender scream and that dog trapped him in an ice wall and was like all right come on <laughs> Oh yeah. what were you saying Ro?
7: I was just gonna say that like if this were hap- happened in real life it, we, we wouldn't get the choice. And I feel like mm-hmm, we had to yeah. stay true to to, to yeah. Liko and to the other characters and the story, and you know that's why the dice is there. So you just have you have to stay true to the game.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: pushes it in ways that we wouldn't expect. That was another moment. I know I say I said this last time, but like one of the GM moves that I always have trouble sometimes conceptualizing is like turning a move back on its player. That was I think the only other time I did that move this entire first season was because I think I think Johnny said. I moved to try and cut Batok's arms mm-hmm. off. And mm-hmm. he rolled the miss. Yeah. And I was like, let's turn that back on him and cut off an arm that he does not want to cut off. Yeah.
3: That was hard for me as a as a player. Like Shoban aside, like being responsible for another player taking a serious injury like that, or another player's character. Mm. Those difficult moments.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, and it set up that super actor, interesting scene in the arena, mm-hmm. just, like, just like the foil of that. And like both of you two processing through like what the moment in the Tezuro ruins meant to both of you. I mm. love that. I think I remember, I mean, this is skipping ahead, but like <laughs> that was a moment where I as a GM was kind of like fumbling because I was like, Oh, we got to make sure Johnny's okay with this because you can't just like
5: cut
1: off another player's
5: arc without like checking with him first, Make <laughs> sure he's okay with it.
1: <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, before before jumping forward, I want to take a couple steps back. Um, I said we'd explore a bit more how we got from that inn after Jinu to the Tuzora ruins, and we talked about everything that happened in the inn, the beds riddling the floor in Rozek's room. Poor Rozek. That was actually a really cool moment. It was kind of, it was a... I think we talked about this word in that moment. It was a Ren-centric moment. It was a ren moment. <laughs> because Ren, they were, they were approached by the Kyoshi Warriors, and their uncle's name escapes me.
4: <laughs> uh, I think where you named my uncle Gimo.
2: Gimo, yeah. I thought he was a servant. Yeah, he's, he's not his uncle. He's, he's my uncle uh, like in a-
1: Scarecrow. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he had uncle vibes. He had. He was an uncle figure <laughs> to Ren. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's a good moment to just explore some great questions about Ren in general. These are from Instagram. One of them is: Ren seems to be one more trusting of everyone. Yet still keeps at a distance. Why is that? And does that make it hard to play at all?
4: Yeah, when you sent me this one, I felt so seen. It was incredible. I was like, ah, I have succeeded in at least one <laughs> regard with this character (laughs) because that is kind of like a tension for Ren. And I think that was better named than I could have put it like, yes, Ren is Mm. in some ways playing safe, not showing all cards, being a guarded person Um, Mm -hmm. for most of the first season. It was regarding um, being intersex and not talking about his family or origins a ton. Um, Like I think the group is aware that Ren came from money. I think that snuck in at a few points uh, I tried to show Ren's love for hot baths <laughs> over <laughs> the course of the season. Just little like hints where it's like, even though we've all been roughing it together and there's no issue, Ren is used to some comforts um, and loves food and grieved through food after Osa died. No. So I tried to like kind of pull some of those threads of that background. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I think it is hard to play this dynamic of like, how is Ren both trusting and guarded? And I think Ren, Ren trusts um, that over the course of time, all of his friends uh, will become the best version of themselves. Mm. Um, but that does not mean that right now, <laughs> uh, Ren is going to be as vulnerable as Ren could be. So that's probably one way to cut it. Dang, that's sweet.
7: I had a question for Steve. Um, do you think that like he believes in everybody else except for himself? Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah?
4: A hundred percent. I get that
7: vibe too, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. If that was like, the angle you are going for.
4: Yeah, Ren doesn't know what to do with himself yet. So that's come, I think, to the fore with getting really scared after our critical failure in Genu. Uh, mm. And I think it got even more pronounced when Ren had this conversation that he wanted to have with Liko after watching the bloodbending incident. Right, And not being able to have that conversation and Liko leaving, which was like ultimate fulfillment of fears. Um, So I think that made Ren feel even more pronounced this sense of vulnerability and a desire to just focus on everyone else and bring them together. And so I think Ren has a lot of work to do that he can't do (laughs) Uh, because he's Mm. just so preoccupied with not wanting the group to fall apart, honestly.
5: Yeah.
1: I think that's I think that's so cool too because I feel like throughout the season and especially the second half Ren kind of had this theme of like he cares about everyone in the group so much but he's also sort of just like on the sidelines like they're sort of like just like watching these things happen I mean like looking at how they they followed Liko and saw that happen all they could do was just see that happen and then they couldn't even get a conversation and about that afterwards.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I was so frustrated because of how many times I had to suspend that conversation. (laughs) So Steve from that moment and for the next preceding
2: like three months, he would text me at least once a week and be like, I need to have this conversation with Liko. And I'm like, dude, chill. We'll get there. All right. It'll happen. Uh, For
4: those in the audience, the conversation we're referring to is the one where they have a heart-to-heart on Rue, finally, after Liko rejoins the group. That conversation was meant to happen, at least from my perspective as a player, way Mm. back. In what was the name of that place where Liko left us? Uh, I can't remember. It was the place uh, with the cave. Fumoon Bay. Yes. The bay. It was the cove or something. Right,
3: yeah, The cove. Yeah. So, Um, that was hard. I I have another follow up question for Steve, if that's okay. Um, just talking about Ren Mm -hmm. being guarded and and stuff. And um, I think like we've already kind of mentioned, like we see really in this second half of the season, Ren's affection for everyone else fully on display and like really coming to the fore in his interactions and stuff. Um, This is kind of was asked by someone. I'm not sure who, uh, but as a follow up question to a different question, but I'm going to ask it here because I'm curious. Uh, I'll have to rephrase that a little bit, so apologies to whoever uh, wrote it. But uh, Ren, it says, Ren would have spent more time training with Osa as they had agreed to do. Um, Meditating Mm. with Osa was calming and also a bit of a bonding experience. Osa also also showed a bit of tenderness to Ren. Um, Do you think, or Steve, do you think that Ren's walls would have come down earlier if he fully fully grasped the depth of Osa's rage and willingness to die? And like, do you think- what do you think would have been different about or how how do you think ren's response to osa's death like affected his willingness to open up to everybody else and and things like that
4: right because we mentioned that there had been a sidebar right between ren and osa that got close to like saying this is what's going to happen kind of a deal and i have to go through with this Mm -hmm. and i don't know that ren fully appreciated the depth of osa's rage and i don't know that ren fully appreciated um kind of osa's recklessness in the equation like it's like okay if it comes to that you know i understand that osa is prepared to die you know it is a little bit of this over the top is this bravado is this pain speaking out i don't know um but yes i think that if ren fully saw and grasped the situation um he would have probably been more close and honest and a little clingy with osa because osa somehow It's hard for me to describe through your acting, Johnny. Uh, Osa somehow charmed past Ren's defenses a little faster uh, than the rest of the group by that point in our story. And I think that was Osa was lovable. (laughs) Yeah, I think there was something. It's a very lovable character. There was a protectiveness about Osa as the hammer that I think was comforting um, for me at least. And then I think there was also an aspect of like Osa being non-threatening towards Ren Mm. consistently. So those might've been part of the recipe there. Yeah. Um, but I do think there would have been some more heart to heart, some more honesty. And I don't know what that would have looked like. And I don't want to read that through the lens of all that's happened since.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah. But like, I guess my question, the other half of my question really was like, do you think that it Ren, kind of having the hindsight of Osa's death and thinking about the things he would have wanted to say and didn't, or the, those conversations, do you think that affected the speed with which he started opening up to everybody else after that point?
4: Yeah, that was a major paradigm shift. That's it. Thank you for zooming in on that because feeling like people can actually die, that you can lose friends, especially when you're young, that's like such a, like just a shattering reality mm. uh, and it changes mm. your sense of the time you have with people. So I do think that came through a bit and shaped, I think all of us, I think that was a main learning point for everybody in the group.
6: I think something that also really reflected well in your guys' characters and performances was that I think the reason why Osa was so um, warm, like, just, like, easy to talk to for Ren and and was getting through faster is because early on I think Osa was the heart of, like, it's been said that, like, in the second half, like, Ren was the heart of our group. But I think Osa was at the beginning. Like, very much. And I think there's a handoff there Mm -hmm. where Ren sort of was, like, I'm going to do this now. <laughs> and, and maybe not like consciously, but just kind of filled that role afterwards. And it was, it was, I don't know. I think it's one of the cooler character interactions that we have.
5: But yeah.
1: So emerging from all the crazy things that happened um, in the Tuzoro ruins, that was, that's that. still thinking about that. That was crazy. I remember between the episode when Liko had lost her heart, her arm and the episode after that, we were just texting each other. Like, what do we do? <laughs> we, were, we, were, <laughs> we were like trying to figure out what's what's the best course of action to take. What would what would my character want to do? I know this might work, but will my character know that? We were like diving <laughs> into like medical procedures. Yeah, trying to find some way to like solve it. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I remember, I was thinking like, it's already hard nowadays to reattach an, a severed arm to someone's body. Think about how much more difficult it would be back then. I mean, sure, we have yes. bending, but Iron Rage is, oh, yeah. that was such a crazy time. Such a a pivotal moment and a growing moment for all of our characters. Everything that happened yeah. after that.
3: I, if I can just say, like, I think there was a lesson I feel like I learned in storytelling from Justin through that whole experience of us trying to like figure things out in the group chat and then the length of time it even took for there to be anything that resembled a solution for Liko with, with her arm. Um, like I feel like I learned both in stories and in games like this, that, um, not every problem is something to be solved. Sometimes it's just a story to be told
2: or at least solved immediately. Yeah. Right. Like you, you, I think you get into your head, um, because this is such a reactive game. When a problem's presented to you, you feel like you have to react to it. Um, mm. And I think sometimes, especially with some of these bigger stuff, it's okay to be like, we don't have an answer to it right now. And it might take us some time to find an answer mm-hmm. to it. Um, and yeah, like I, and I didn't even have like a this is when it's going to get solved like i had no plans uh and i'm it's funny you're saying that danny because i know monroe and i were texting individually and (laughs) because i wanted i wanted whatever monroe wanted Mm -hmm. right like if monroe was like i don't want her to get her arm back right now then i was like absolutely and if monroe was like i want the arm back i'd be like all right let's find a way to make that happen or at least get you closer to that goal
5: hmm
1: I like that. Uh, dude, I also just loved the interpersonal interactions after that. At the inn, and I believe we went to an inn um at Hatusu City, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We went to an inn there and then crazy things stem from that. <laughs> <laughs> um Rozek and Liko had some, you know, some conflict going on. After that, Liko did her whole thing. And that's when, that's when, what we were just talking about, when Ren saw Liko do her little cozy activity.
5: (laughs) 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 That's a reference for later.
1: Come (laughs) back and
3: listen to this after you heard Brindlewood. I'm
1: speaking into the future. I'm speaking into the future. But um, that was just, oh my gosh, that was such a, that was, yeah, that was the emergence, the surfacing of Dark Liko, what we've started calling it. And I guess Monroe, how how was that? How was moving in to this dark character? And we do have a question from Instagram and they asked, Do you think Lico has do you think she might have a tendency to dip in to a dark side
6: again? These questions from Instagram are from Kenneth from Instagram, just to be clear. They are from Kenneth. All of of the Instagram questions. And also the the one you couldn't remember who it was from.
3: (laughs) Just to be clear. There was a different name above it, but I knew it wasn't that person who asked it. That's why I just said it.
5: Someone might have asked a similar
6: question. It's it's whatever. Moving on. Uh,
7: The question was, can she go dark again?
1: Yeah. I mean, first of all, if you have anything to say about how it was just developing this character into a more like dark context darker version uh
7: okay so first part uh how was it like i i knew from the very beginning that it was gonna be lico who was going to have to do that because everyone kind of seemed really goody two shoes (laughs) and it was like this this isn't gonna be great storytelling honestly because there's nothing to relate to and not everyone, human beings are not all good all the time. Like we do some bad things sometimes and some people do bad things all the time. And there needs to be a representation of that. And I knew from the very beginning, if it was going to be anybody, it was either going to be Che or Liko. And I couldn't see that from Che at that particular moment. But I could totally see Liko because she already kept people at a certain distance. So I texted Justin and said, how would you feel if, um, you know, we did something... It, we went dark with Liko at some point, and he was he was all for it. He he was very supportive, and we thought it was going to happen in the first half, but it didn't happen. It didn't feel right, and there was all. And I know that he set up so many moments for Liko to turn dark, but none of them felt right until the moment she lost her arm. And in that moment, she felt like she lost because when you're a waterbender, you need your your limbs to to control water, and I felt like mm. she lost a really big part of her identity. Mm-hmm. And when you lose that that part of you, I think that you, it's natural to kind of explore other sides of your personality, whether they be good or bad.
5: Mm-hmm.
7: And uh, I thought it was really important to show someone who messes up and tries to fix that. So that way it's not always like, you know, oh, these are good people who are doing good things and look, they're good, mm-hmm. you know? very Mm. boring i want to be someone to be like oh yeah she messed up like i messed up too Mm. and look at her trying you know like i i think i can keep going like if Liko can go through all of that and her friends are still there for her maybe my friends Mm. will be there for me too
5: yeah there you go
2: i know Um, i'm this is just me this is me as like a, a audience member as like a viewer i'm like i can't wait to explore more of like Liko wrestling with the things that she's done in the next season like that that seems like absolutely like what's something that she would be wondering is like all my friends know i've done these things and yet they're still accepting me like how, how does that interaction work so i don't know i know i me as a listener is really interested in that
7: but and Liko's Liko's worst enemy yeah so if if she knows that her friends know it doesn't even matter if they knew or not she would always know Mm. And uh, as far as uh, can she go down that path? Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. She already did it once, she could yeah. do it again. I think <laughs> I think it would be, it'd have to be a much different situation. I think she would fight it with all her might, but I do yeah. think it's possible mm. for, I think all the characters have the possibility of reaching someplace dark. But yeah. I think, you know, I, I don't know, we haven't, we, we honestly haven't even talked about season two. But I wouldn't be surprised if Dark Leco makes another appearance.
4: Yeah, if that happens and you had done that path, Ryan yeah. will be like hanging on to your ankles, dragging behind you. <laughs> but it is what it is, you know? Like, no, yeah. it's, it's, please. It it's, it's, it's depends on Take what me happens with to you. everybody. Take me with
5: you.
3: <laughs> I mean, honestly, I feel like I, these conversations even started in character a little bit. Um, but like, I feel like if Leco goes down a dark path again, it's just everybody's going with her. It goes from Dark Leco to Dark mm-hmm. Group pretty quickly it just becomes a, a villain campaign <laughs> yeah
7: it's basically. the energy's passed around because yeah. <laughs> once mm. she once she started going dark that's when the whole show bond don't trust him whatever is going mm-hmm. on that kind of happened as a not a sidebar but just separate from her because she left mm. yeah and then mm-hmm. good old che old faithful was able to <laughs> stir up some drama <laughs> because Liko and che are very similar um but i also want to say that like um it's not so much that she lost her identity it's also the fact that like people were trying to control her
2: yeah you um, know like you
7: had uh, iron who was trying to control her destiny and then i can't remember who the guy was but i feel like wasn't he trying to like test her to see like oh yeah this is how far you can go if you do this and and that so she's being controlled by men particularly yeah. and yeah. she didn't that was a yeah. very off balance thing if it was like General she it might be a much different situation, but because it was a bunch of men who were trying to Mm. control her, I think that had a much different reaction from her. Mm. And I don't want to be like, oh yeah, it's because they're guys, but it's kind of true. Like when you're being bombarded by a bunch of men who are like, or the opposite sex in general, just coming at you, that does have a reaction. It does have consequences. And I think that Mm. got into her head too. I think that's also why she was, you know, Oh, Liko, um, she was just <laughs> <laughs> she, she was very mean, right? <laughs> she was just very mean, particularly to men. And let's not forget, she was not letting Chopin off the, lo- <laughs> off yeah. the leash. Oh, no. She was like, oh,
2: no. she gave
7: him a really hard time. And I think it's because of that, like here are all these guys yeah. trying to tell her who she is and what she can do. And then all of a sudden it's another guy who cuts off her arm mm. and mm. makes her question mm. her identity. Cool. And trying to take he dumped, he, I wouldn't say he dumped her, but he did something, whatever they were, weren't. I'm, I'm never going to drop it, John <laughs> like,
3: He was like, brainwashed. She was manipulated. <laughs> he was. I, it's
5: I know. Like, she didn't like,
3: know that. <laughs> <laughs> that is like like you have some relationship with a guy, he does so something, well and now said. you're mad so at well some other guy you've never even met <laughs> because but the first it was guy. Still but you. <laughs> it's true, physically, yeah. but mentally,
5: yeah. there's a, there's she a didn't break,
3: know
7: right, that she didn't yeah. know that. she didn't know i don't even think choban probably knew that at the time not quite to be fair yeah Yeah.
1: But yeah dude such a crazy moment like what we were just talking about so many insane and just really interesting interpersonal conflicts stemming from the loss of liko's limb and the emergence of dark liko so cool um and then after that we moved into the whole cove arc um, I called this arc the Hatusu City slash the Cove slash Full Moon Bay slash Half Moon Hollow arc. <laughs> oh, it's one! It 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 this, like this was like a multi-layered district, man. It's well, like it a multi-layered was, city. Yeah, that's it was the thing. A, it was, no, there were I different
2: districts. It. it was like one city. It was Hattusu City, and there were different districts to it. Different I think a big reason I loved
1: houses. it so much was because I just watched Arcane, and I was like, ooh. <laughs> oh, okay. But <laughs> it was so cool. And that's also when we kind of got to explore um, the Lake Laogai, Lake laogai people. I think someone called it into Discord. Someone got Lake laogai <laughs> <laughs> Um The yeah. brainwashing, what we were just talking mm, about. Yeah, yeah, um, And I guess we we could go back to, we already talked about this a bit, like when Justin and Johnny, when you guys had decided um, to have the Gemi slash Shoban whole like DID thing going on there, which was super cool um was that around when you guys had decided that or was it like decided far before that like because i know that's when we're, like we were as players were listening but johnny was like oh, i'm gonna go do my thing and you're like oh what's he doing we don't know
3: i think i think you guys met Shobon, like or gemi you and you brought gemi back yeah. to the house you guys were staying at and he had that like initial interaction with Liko, and then i remember having the thought around that time what if this is not who this guy really is like he's being he's mm-hmm. trying to be like smooth and, and ingratiate himself to these people but what if that's just not who he is at all and so then i texted justin mm-hmm. and we started talking about kind of how to play around with that
1: and i remember that oh i remember because when rozak had met gemi and rozak was the very first person in the group to meet gemi basically the only reason rozak had trusted gemi was because was like, oh, I know your mom. Mm-hmm. I went to the same school as you or whatever. Something he pulled out of his butt. <laughs> and <laughs> that's like the main reason where I was like, oh, this guy is cool. He took calculus. So we went to school
5: yeah. together. <laughs> which is what's like,
3: I had w- during those initial interactions as Gemi with the party, I had a document open in front of me that Justin had sent me, which was basically like, these are the dossiers the Dai Li gave you on each of them before you go find them.
1: I love that. I love that so much. And it wasn't everything. Right, it
3: wasn't. Because, you know,
2: there's, there's stuff I know about that, you know, each of you and I know about your characters individually that the rest of the party doesn't know yet. So I had to go through each of your characters and be like, this is probably something you would know it was like this is probably something you would know yeah
3: there was there was like a note even that was like ren song's file is like entirely redacted and you know it would take someone (laughs) extremely powerful or extremely wealthy to be able to do that and that was all it said about Ren.
2: i think that's all i gave you yep yeah yeah I love that. That is so cool.
4: I love how that much of a so mystery cool. Ren is without knowing it.
2: <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> that was that was fun for me because I mean, to the testament of like what you can do to influence the narrative as a player in this game, um, when you were like in character deciding what to do with Liko, and Shoban was like, "There's a Dai Li outpost in Full Moon Bay." There wasn't before, um, at least in my head, there wasn't before. And so as soon as Johnny said that, I was like, perfect. Yeah, that's I love that idea. That's a great idea.
6: It immediately went very poorly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. Speaking, going back, speaking of the whole mystery of Ren, um, I know a trivia question I don't think we ever got to ask last week was how many weapons did Ren use throughout the first season? And we could answer that. But also, I want to get to a... Question asked, and I was so bad at taking notes, but the basically the question that was asked, if someone can help me remember who asked this, it was how does Ren hold all these weapons?
4: <laughs> With the bag of holding. <laughs>
1: yeah. With a bag of holding type three, of course. Yes, type three, of course. <laughs>
4: That's a a fair question. I think we've just let the fiction be the fiction when it comes to Ren's. Like, at any given point, Ren has not had like eight things, right? It's been like more like a slow in and out rotation of things. I I think there's some plausibility we maintain there, which is good. It's not like I I had a battle where like you saw a bunch of different weapons come out of nowhere. Yeah,
1: I imagine at least like a maybe like somewhere along the line they got like a bandolier of darts. Or Something, sure, or, yeah, something, yeah. something to like hold a, it, you like know. A we'll pouch, set, a yeah.
5: yeah.
1: They just reach their hand in their pile of darts and hope they don't get poked or something.
4: <laughs> you don't want to get poked <laughs> by those. That's true. You don't want to get.
1: Poked can't just by use pockets. pockets. It's like needles at the playground. <laughs> wow. A very large satchel. This is. Just have, Ren just has a huge biker backpack. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, we can all pontificate, oh. and uh, we'll let the artists get to work oh on that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> But yeah, um, I think I had written down my best sense of how many weapons Ren used. Anybody have any guesses?
3: I'm gonna I'm gonna I guess was... five, unless we're counting standard war fans and metal war fans as separate weapons. In which case, I'll say six.
7: I was gonna say six. I'm one under
2: that. I'm I'm if bamboo and metal war fans are different. I'm five. Otherwise, I'm four.
6: Wait, do the individual war fans count as one or no, two? No, no,
4: that counts as a weapon. That's a weapon, yeah. And I'm wearing yeah. one. Okay,
6: because okay, like I was counting choose... them as individually.
3: Nick's like, I'm uh, at yeah, 13. Like... I don't understand how they're all...
6: <laughs> <laughs> I'm at like 30 plus. Just war fans, you're at three.
1: So I don't know what you're doing. Every individual dart <laughs> is a different weapon.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's
1: ammunition. That's different. <laughs> no, here we go. So in our document, it looks like we had just put down four. <laughs> really? So it was written, it might just be in general terms, So we wrote fans, darts, dagger, Naganita mm. Fans, darts, dagger, Naganata. I swear, yeah. I might just be mixing um, Avatar Nickelodeon show with our podcast, but I swear at one point, Ren was using a sword. I
3: was this is what
1: I, thought I too. was about
3: to say, at one point, I don't remember the context, but I remember that Gemi slash Shoban gave Ren his uh, hook, he hook sword. did. Yeah. hook He did a give Ren
4: a sword, sword.
2: Yep. yes. Yes. That is in five.
4: That's right. And then if you count using hands, which Alyssa just put in the chat. There hands.
2: Well, I was going to ask Steve. The thing Steve is, did I get
4: an opportunity? Does Ren have workable biceps? Because then he himself <laughs> is
2: a weapon.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've already established that Ren is Ren is like
4: pretty slight of frame, but you know, despite the lack
3: of can we can't presentation can we count, worthy biceps. Can we count uh, less than gentle words? Because then we're at seven, I think. <laughs>
6: yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, also, you guys all forgot that he also picked up the uh, the cutlery from from that. Yeah. bike. No, he too. attempted to <laughs> he pick p- up the cutlery. Oh, <laughs> <Yes>. oh <laughs>
1: yeah. It yeah, was right. a
3: far too complex
4: task. <laughs>
2: Yes, he couldn't hold the fork. All
6: right,
1: let's not. That that
4: was such a difficult (laughs) scene. That was so hard. Ren's ending Um, this season was painful, but there is more to come. (laughs) In
1: the beginning of the second half, Ren attacked a bowl of shrimp with his face. (laughs) (laughs) That counts. So that could count. That is true. Oh, sure, right. That okay. was that was Chauvin's introduction <laughs> right,
3: to Ren. Right. That man is sleeping in shrimp.
4: Yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> sleeping in shrimp. I love
3: that. The
4: shrimp didn't stand a chance.
1: <laughs> love it. That was like the first time where like Ren and Rose like sort of switched, and Ren became the um, comedy relief. <laughs> yes, I, I was like, I yeah. love that. Yeah. Well, I, I was gonna that.
3: say like something Steve said earlier that reframed that scene for me entirely was that he was like taking comfort in food in response to Osa dying. Yeah. which like mm-hmm. there are mm-hmm. a few things that Ren did that that like reframes completely <gasps> so
5: yeah
4: funny. Ren was like kind of dead to the world and like barely tailing along at that point like the whole yeah. like kind of being out of it exhausted and just being like darts darts which we like of course rightly played up in the humor <laughs> direction like because like one word <laughs> sentence is like what are you doing Ren this is like odd um it's a strange way to ask for darts <laughs> uh <laughs> Like that—that that was like still Ren not yeah. recovered at all. Yeah. yeah very yeah. disoriented, just yeah. wanting a weapon,
0: mm-hmm.
4: you know. Mm-hmm. And you can see kind of part of the response to loss there. That's interesting.
2: Um, I, I kind of want to move things along. Uh, I'm curious, Danny. Uh, one of my favorite scenes was out and Rosick. Um outside Um, of full moon bay
1: as he was like escaping yeah that was such a good scene um i'm just curious like
2: what was going through your head in those moments so
1: fun to play out i was i just remember rozak thinking me as a player like basically being like rozak's thinking like is Nazau behind this i mean obviously he is but i feel like rozak was kind of like no i kind of hope he's not (laughs) you know but i mean obviously he was and then that moment when he had rescued Pan, Pan Poy, Pen Poi Pen was the kid's Pen? name? Pen yeah, yeah. Ping, I don't know. Rescuing Ping or whatever. And then seeing that I was on the beach, where like I was like, are you serious? And he was just overwhelmed with anger. And I feel like even I was kinda mad too. I was like, because I was thinking, Danny, like you, like this man has spoken about loving us and having this plan for us. And like after all this time, but wrist almost killing us in this reckless, like trap that he said, or whatever. Rosak was like, What are you thinking? And this was, I think, the second time that Rosak had seen Um in the first season. I think the first time was on the island that the bathhouse was on. And that was more that was more so a um interaction between Che and now Zao, whereas Rosic was sort of just like i'm gonna burn your scroll but <laughs> you're not my real story. dad you're not my real dad i'm gonna burn your prophecy dad um, but Rosic just really he used that moment to just really just speak his feast and that i'm
2: i'm very curious i was a hundred percent prepared for you to get into a fight with now Zao like to like legitimately like try and be like I'm going to try and take
1: him out right here right now. And I'm curious why you decided not to do that. So I mean he de- that like definitely could have taken him cuz he basically won a fight against Naz. Like he knocked him out. He could have taken him with. But Rosa's like is very so let's just think about everything Rosa like has experienced. Basically the only reason he left his home to go find Che was because he felt like he wasn't fit to be home, you know? We can explore this more, but like hurt his mother and he was like, I shouldn't be here. So he basically fled from that situation, you know? And so everything in this season, like was not able to prepare for whatsoever. like has basically just been running and clinging to mostly Che in this season, being even even being the older brother, Kind of like cleaning in the Che, like, oh, like I'm gonna protect you because I need to protect someone to feel like, you know, like there's a reason for me to go on, you know? And <clears throat> I'm getting so like off the hook here. No, no, but, no that um, makes sense. <laughs> You're saying yeah.
2: like if 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 you take out Nowzou, there's nothing to protect Che from.
1: Kind of, kind of. So like, and who, also- who is
2: Rosick if he can't protect? Mm-hmm. Che And also, his
1: dad. something that I was thinking about, too, in that moment, and Roslik probably was thinking about, too, is, well, the last time I knocked out an adversary and kept him, Che got mad at me. I don't want Che to be mad at me again. So he threw him on a boat and kicked him away and said, alright, I'm just never going to mention this again. And I think Rosic was thinking about that. Rosic was thinking about never mentioning this to Che, also in kind of, like, a spiteful manner, because Roslik mm-hmm. was still hurt by Che for... Because Roslik still thought Che was, like, hiding things from him, you know? Even though Che ended up telling the group about, like, Naza visiting them, like, with the whole tank thing, Nazai, oh, I have a plan for you, your destiny, blah, blah, blah. Rose like, was still like, oh, you hid that from me for, like, a day? How dare you? <laughs> and so Rose, like, kind of, like, in spite of Che was like, I'm going to keep this from him, you know, just so I have secrets, too. I'm not an open book. Um, but Rose, like, still ended up telling Che because he just, you know, Rose, like, really is just kind of like a puppy. <laughs>
6: <laughs>
5: he's, got, he's, also, yeah. uh, he's got golden
1: tree
6: energy for sure yeah he really does <laughs> and my interpretation of that at least part of it was also just that like Rosic has a very different view of nowzow yeah mm-hmm. right? it's colored by the actions that his mother ended up having to take and mm-hmm. by you know what Che has told him but like presumably Rosic actually experienced nowzow not being garbage right at some yeah, point yeah we sure. about yeah, yeah and probably has good memories to look on yeah that Shay does not have yeah mm-hmm. right <laughs> at all and he spent his entire mm-hmm. life with him so there's this like very interesting interpretation and i thought that you know i always interpreted some of your unwilling some of rosick's unwillingness to engage in that moment to be like i kind not this kind of dude kind of was my father for a little bit mm-hmm. you know and just having some of that hesitance in there whether it was conscious or not, yeah, <clears throat> I and mean, I
1: mean, he definitely still had that even after hearing, discovering that prophecy that, like, oh, this dude isn't my father. I mean, still all his life, he thought of this dude, even if a distant dude, still this dude <laughs> being his father. Um, so he's still processing the discovery of that prophecy.
6: And like, also, chat just pointed out we hadn't slept <laughs> in like a day, yeah, yeah. Like two days, <laughs> yeah. we were we had gone through like three giant fights. And just like no rest, emotional yeah. turmoil and splintering the party. And I thought yeah. Rosic was so, going to die well, saving that kid against, from the crocodiles. Some,
2: <laughs> there are some time jumps in full moon Bay. Like it wasn't mm. like you got there. Oh, yeah. You didn't sleep. <clears throat> like there was some time. That's why, in fact, I think we started one of the episodes with like, what are each your char- your characters doing in the yeah. like, few days that you've got yeah,
6: I forgot about that. Well, yeah, rest at the end. bit.
2: So you guys did have some rest. That was actually one of the first times we had like an extended period of like mm-hmm. like down there's there's not a like lot a lot happening and i want to see what you guys are interested in doing in mm. this city
3: yeah during so that conversation with with rozak and nowzow um i have another question kind of about that or starting with that for you danny um because i mm-hmm. feel like that's the first time we really got to see a a deeper part of Rosak like up until that point mm-hmm. he was pretty and, and so I'm just wondering like this is kind of how I interpreted it as someone watching that story unfold was like realizing that maybe Rosak has walls that are just as high as Liko and Ren and Che it's just that mm-hmm. instead of anger or retreat or bravado his walls come in the form of humor
5: mm-hmm.
3: like you feel like that's an accurate read or do you think oh, that oh definitely
1: okay. oh definitely yeah and it's funny that's kind of um that's kind of i feel like me reflecting myself onto the players onto the character as well which was super easy to do i mean my first pro- thought process i didn't was, want to call you out <laughs> no my third my first thought process was i'm gonna be I, I committing to, so to this I mean, character hopefully for a while i want it to be easy to play and relate to because if i can relate to it like what Lico, what monroe sorry whoa me so into this what monroe is the time and time again if i can relate to someone then someone else probably can to out there you know and so that was definitely part of it i love how you say walls because that's rose's whole fighting style. yeah <laughs> <True>. <laughs> he materializes his walls in real life <laughs> yeah but then we get
2: like both Liko and Shoban deciding to to piece out and mm-hmm. try and find their own way. Oh my gosh, um, and <laughs> we can talk about that. Uh, I do. I am uh, in the chat. Someone pointed out um, that conversation between Ren and the launchers on the boat to Bossing mm-hmm. Um What was it about that moment where you decided, Steve, to like? introduce some of those like background stuff about Ren that at that point we had just been kind of implicit about, but you were like finally explicit about.
4: There's this, uh, aspect of Ren kind of playing the harmonious character, being the idealist, trying to bring hope into the equation and draw the best out of people that just gets heightened. The more and more things are going badly. (laughs) And, um, I think we talked about this a little bit on, uh, part one of Behind the Bison, but <clears throat> there's like teen conflict that's intensifying. So Ren doesn't really even feel like there's room for Ren to initiate conflict or have gripes or not forgive someone. And by the end of season one, mechanically, I was also all the way to the extreme of my forgiveness and then take it out of the scene. And I'd been like hovering in the forgiveness zone for most of the mm. second half of the season, I wanna say. Um, and so I was leaning into that as much as I could uh, as a player, as well. But I think that um this finally felt like a breath of air for Ren. Like, we finally had time on the stillness of this raft or boat. Um, Ren had a degree of a measure of safety with the um, new mentor figure. And I think there's also just, as Ren said in character, like, oh, we're talking about like, <laughs> like, we're talking about life stuff, we're talking about our hearts now. i like, okay. Like finally I see I, I think Ren got to see the Launchers having a conversation they should have had a long time ago. Um and it felt like there was a there was a window of opportunity and there was just so much pressure and lack of opportunity leading up to that and Ren just shot through it. So I think Ren could have probably shared about being intersex earlier and felt safe with the Launchers. Um, but there was just no opportunity. And having lost uh, Liko from the group, and uh, by this time, Shoban dipped, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Under mind control mode again. Yeah. Um, well, he wasn't he mind controlling. Or, mode or just left. That's true. Yeah, yeah. That's he true. had just left, had <laughs> yeah. just left yeah. on his own terms. Um, there's this sense of, like, well, this is who I have right mm-hmm. now. And, like, what Ren is fearing happening is to some extent happening as well with losing people. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think there was a precious opportunity there to confide in the people Ren did have, and uh, hang on to them and let them know more
1: of who he is. Yeah, I, I loved that too when Ren was just like, "Can I butt in? Can I join this little?" Oh,
2: <laughs> so we're, having- we're doing this. We're doing this. When I just, I loved, I loved the cap of you throwing your your armor into mm. the water as like a symbol, because there's a lot of gender tied up in Kyoshi warrior armor right like Kyoshi warriors are all girls and so like to have that be the thing that you toss in the water um yeah i just i really i appreciated that as like the symbol of you proving uh this conversation like you're you're willing to open up to people so thank you for that
4: Mm. i feel like the launchers pushed that in a really good direction because it's like oh this makes so much sense like (laughs) The acceptance, the acceptance that I feel and the love, you know, it's like, oh, "Oh, wait, maybe I don't need this, you know, this thing that I've been fighting to cling on to.
6: But you're a little he salty. Yeah. He's a little salty about the armor. He's like, oh, I'm sure Liko lost an arm for that. I sold it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you're doing a thing. Liko lost oh, an we'll arm for the,
4: cause. for the cause. Right. For
1: the cause.
4: For you. For me yeah. as a person. Yeah, not just for my armor.
5: Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Thinking
1: about it now, that was probably one of my favorite just moments in the series was just the launchers and Ren just being alone for a little bit and having to figure out what they're doing just together (laughs) which is super cool
6: um well in the tirade of failure it felt like a moment of victory right like mm -hmm. we're talking about how we just kept losing and now we lost two members for a group yeah and then we were finally like hey i got this stuff going on (laughs) and it it felt (laughs) felt like it felt like a win it felt like like um i mean i would consider
1: the whole the whole town coup to be a win too yeah,
5: no.
4: Just Johnny's just shaking his head. <laughs> <laughs> generally speaking, coups are not a win, but sometimes they can be. This was a mixed bag. It can
5: be great. I love yeah. it. I yeah, that's right. I will just. Right. I will
4: never not Status be salty.
5: Status quo
3: is
4: generally bad too. Nick. <laughs> I will. I will
3: forever be salty about having, uh, gotten these perfect roles and Shoban <laughs> creates enough housing for everyone who needs it. And you guys are like, nah, revolution
1: all right this is the way there (laughs) is um before we move into the bossing say arc i just want to get some general questions out of the way some very pushing questions that need to be answered and yeah just sort of do like a little rapid fire um here's what a question from kenneth on instagram for everyone um if we could each have a prop made from our characters like in real life what would we have and why steve go
4: <laughs> um i think it would be awesome to have the fan that ren used uh in the mm. spirit house i want Very one dope. so if anyone knows Very how dope. to make one that'd be great <laughs>
1: mm.
4: oh and why because that was a key moment for ren uh, a I moment where ren felt strong despite not being a bender
1: i love that johnny what about you
3: oh man i can't think of anything for Shoban, honestly Nothing that really feels like the right thing, but (laughs) for Osa, probably just like some sort of a food pocket.
4: (laughs) Merch store t-shirts forthcoming with food
6: pockets. Get like a pocket t-shirt, but there's like an arrow and it's like, this is for food. (laughs) Yeah. I love it.
3: Matching sweats with one pocket and an arrow that says non-food pocket. (laughs) Dang. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Justin, if you could have one prop made from every single NPC you've played okay, in this series. Right. Okay. Uh, a cabbage with coal on it. A
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> bowl of cat gator stew. It's all food related. Keep with me. Hang on okay, here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no,
5: <laughs> yeah. Um, a
2: I, cart. A cart of food. Uh, <laughs> a... <laughs> no, I'm done answering this question.
1: Okay. 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 <laughs> I think Danny, I want, the bit is I over, think, Danny. I think I want an actual wall of fire.
5: Mm.
1: Yes, so I can just like hold on to, just use.
3: That's expensive.
1: Yeah, it can be very also, cheap
3: depending on difference. your relationship with the law.
1: <laughs> True, Nick Monroe. Do you guys have answers? Um, I would want her arm, like her uh, <laughs> the one the
7: to... Not the fake, one. The, the mean, the fake one. Not the not the, <laughs> not the fake one. Not the one that she got cut Sorry. off, but I would want <laughs> I wanna take it for Bat Talk. <laughs> I'm gonna put it in a glass case. Uh no, but her uh the the one that uh Nazo made for her. Yeah. I thought that would be cool. I love or it. Or I love it. Rue. Really nice.
2: A real An life. Entire... out.
7: Water
6: life, I really
7: like a rue. I think a lot, a lot of us would love a rue. Yeah,
6: we don't. Actually, we just change all of our answers yeah, to rue. Yeah.
3: Science, get on it.
2: We want to actually. I mean, that's that's a great time to plug the Patreon because one of the goals in there is a rue plushie. Ah mm, oh,
4: yes, to make a rue
2: plushie. Yeah, that would be so good. That's some
4: Monroe's face. Yes, this is exactly. <laughs> That'd be want like, a so plushie. cute. We need one. I
7: like if anyone Yeah <laughs> 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 That's my dragon. But Nick, which one uh, what prop would you have?
6: Um uh Che's bomb bag, probably. Mm. Which isn't like a singular like bag. It's like several containers he keeps throughout his person, but like they've just come up so much. Mm. And his pseudo firebending is such like a, it's it's really like at the core of like who and why he is who he is. So, just gotta do it. Also, then I'd have bombs, which is just kind of cool. I don't I don't know how to do with them, but
2: I should um, I should mention we will not be making bombs as a part
5: no. of our Patreon and putting them on the no.
6: store. Unfortunately.
1: Or giving out
7: fake limbs. The FBI
1: would be knocking down my door <laughs> <laughs> very quickly. Um, I want to get to one more very general question. Um, asked by uh, Marai on Discord, um, they just asked what our personal favorite moment was throughout the entire first season. We just kind of explored the majority of the first season in these two episodes. But real quickly, what are what would you say personally? Each and every one of you would be your. Personal favorite moment. I still think mine is the in room with all the beds. I think I got the most laughs out of that entire scene playing out.
7: <laughs> For me, it would be when uh, lico reunites with the Show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And everyone thought that she was gonna. Even you guys thought yeah. I was gonna take take his arm, and I, and I, I knew I wasn't, and uh, she knew that she wasn't either. But she wanted to make a point. You and, played uh, it so well yeah i think she was that was like the moment where she kind of like took back her autonomy hmm. you know and because you know she just said what she had to say and then decided to to move on and um it's not it's not a funny moment or particularly emotional but i think it was like a it was a favorite of mine because i felt like there was we knew lico before and then we knew Liko after and now this was someone who was in between and it felt more um Mm. like an actual person now
5: Mm.
6: Mm. 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 Yeah, I think uh, uh, probably like an easy answer would be like Che's moment of balance at the end but my actual favorite moment of this season for Che was when Liko was in that room by herself after Mm. Iron did his thing and was just so upset at everything and everyone and that moment of connection I think it really i I talked about how that arc was really like the start of Che like being like i actually care about these people and it was because he connected with lico in that moment and it i think it really changed the trajectory of what he was going to be um and what he was going to do so i feel like that moment of balance starts there and that's why it's probably my most my favorite moment
7: yeah i was gonna say that moment too that's the one where those two had that that was the first time. They, uh, yeah, that was yeah. the first time they both were opened up about anything because mm-hmm. they were both mm-hmm. closed off.
5: Mm-hmm.
7: That's crazy. They both opened up to each other first before they opened up to anyone.
4: go. go. go.
7: I have a feeling there's a lot of questions about that. I'm <laughs> <laughs> you throwing your, <laughs> you throw your boy
4: in the <laughs> to, to be answered in the blossoming romance of season I know, two. Right?
2: I loved. Um, the scene with osa and monk pasang
5: mm. Mm.
2: like that that was one of my favorite scenes to like tell and and also improvise um because it just it felt good to like put like a a cap on osa's story even though it didn't feel like it was like cathartic it wasn't like satisfying but it was cathartic like it felt good that that's how osa's story ended at that moment
3: yeah
4: I would say for me I'm torn between the conversation on the boat with the launchers and the conversation on Rue with Lico. but I think the latter probably takes the cake as my favorite moment of the first season because I just been waiting for so long <laughs> <laughs> um, and because it ended up I think going beautifully well with Monroe's responses in character and um, I thought you played that really well, Monroe. So I loved what that did for the connection between, uh, Ren and Liko.
3: Yeah. For me, I think my all time favorite scene, the whole season that I wasn't in, I'm gonna cheat a little bit and do too, but, uh, <laughs> is probably the scene, uh, on the boat with with Ren and the Launcher brothers. I I really loved watching that unfold. Mm. Uh, My favorite scene that I was in was probably another uh, conversation that was just between Osa and and a character Justin was playing, but Osa and Toko. Uh, Mm. I really loved that conversation. I think that conversation told me more than anything else previous or after really, even in character creation about who Osa really was. Like, I think there was a lot about him that crystallized in that conversation
5: yeah. hmm.
1: Hmm. and that was kind of like the very first kind of like emotionally deep character interaction that we had in the first season as well I remember because I remember being like oh here we go <laughs> this is where it begins <laughs>
7: <laughs> yes yeah, Steve I just wanted to say that your speech that you said to Liko that um that almost brought me to tears because
5: hmm. it
7: was it was It was a really heavy speech. I don't know how much time, obviously, you put a lot of time into it. You're waiting, (laughs) probably edited it a few times, but it it came off really, really well.
4: I appreciate it. I had written out a version of it and then had to keep editing it because the story kept changing and I was like, all right, Mm -hmm. I'm just going to leave this for a bit. (laughs) Yeah. But um, it felt better to just kind of leave the script aside once the time came.
2: And now we're here at the finale, the, the closing bits of season one. Uh, I don't know if I've got any questions. I want to know. I think I want to know as a GM what you all thought. Of season one? Of of, of season one, of, of how it ended, um, of where your characters ended, where where you have had the story set up for them to go in the future. Like, just Yeah. Like as we finish season one, what are your what are
1: your thoughts? So for me personally, I loved just everything after um, the Agni Kai. It seemed like one of those movie endings that fades to black and keeps opening to a new scene, and you kept doing that. You kept just like it was always was so cool, and I was like Justin, stop. We have to wait so long before we can play again. Stop. <laughs> but it was, oh my gosh, it was so cool. And I just hope that, you know, the listeners had that same reaction. Like, I now I need to know, like, what happens next. And so that was just, like, as, like, a fan, as a listener, that
6: was super cool for me to hear in the moment. As a player, the the arena fight, we were, like, at that. And you were like, yeah, we're pretty close to the end. And in my head, I was like, what is he talking about? How are we close? We're, <laughs> in a, we're at an arena. <laughs> and it, and it,
1: <laughs> we're nowhere near the castle.
6: <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> and, and it was because, you know, the king was already not a, not a problem. So yeah. it was not really, a, it was, you know, <clears throat> it just worked out that way really well. But it was uh, it was very surprising to see how it works out, and it was surprising right up until he was like, hey, I'm in the cell next to you," <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that whole that whole roller coaster ride was 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 fun. Obviously, I was very satisfied with um, Chase's story and him mm-hmm. li- the whole the whole time. Just wanted to talk to his mom. <laughs> <That> was, like <laughs> the the goal he started out with and finished with, regardless of the ones he picked up along the way, was talk to my mom yeah and uh he got to do that it. conversation i don't was know
3: if it comes high up on my list of favorite moments yeah
5: too, that was... that's mm-hmm. definitely up there
2: there were, i don't know if it comes through at, at much in the episode that we released but like i think i took a i had to like take a couple second pause mm-hmm. when you asked that question because i did not expect that question and mm-hmm. it just like hit me I like. I was like tearing up and crying because I was like, "That is, that's one of the most heavy questions that's been asked on in the story at all." Yeah. I think. And so that's, kudos Rose-like, to you. That was yeah. that was great. It was well played. Rosalind yeah, kind of has the, had the same reaction. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, hmm. Rose-like, Rose-like was expecting <laughs> Che to like, "Oh, it's mom," you know, "I'm gonna give her a hug. Everything's fine, normal." Yeah, and then when Che asked that, Rosalind was like, "Oh
6: yeah, that makes a lot of sense." yeah <laughs> how much <would> you- <laughs> well i i had to ask, sit there and ask myself what is what is what did Che want to say what did he mm. want to ask yeah mm. and i don't think he knew the answer to that either going through this whole story and finally getting to sit down and think about it both of us sat there and we were like that's this is messed up yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. why, why is this like this this isn't fair and yeah. you know just having to having to ask you know saying saying what came to mind so
2: yeah. well uh, look what to some extent like it's such a perfect cap to the season because it's like look what happened because you didn't come back like would any of this have happened if you had come back for me hmm. maybe now i would have given up maybe he you know like who the that's that's what i imagine was going through chase head. had like all of this happened because you didn't come back for me why didn't you come back for me
7: but also it was like a nice little thing for Che as a character, because I'm sure he put this moment so high. Mm,
5: yeah. And
7: then like he got in, it, it was really not that he didn't get what he wanted from it, really. Mm, right. Like you mm-hmm. didn't get the answer you were looking for. It didn't solve your problems. And yet you still had to move forward, you know, and live your life. And I think that was that was a good reality check, too. Mm. Because I think there's a lot of listeners who can probably relate to having a moment that they put up so high and then they get in are like, that wasn't
2: what I wanted, what I in. wanted
7: in. Yeah, totally.
4: Yeah, I think we should thank you, Justin, because this was a fabulous season one and we were constantly putting you on your toes. Uh, sometimes when I help edit, I just look at the sheer amount of talking you have to do between all the characters you play. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So thank you for lending us your brain and your time, and just yeah. putting in amazing work.
2: I love it. It's you've so been much, doing great. I love playing with. I love playing with you guys. You guys are great. I love playing with you. Great mm-hmm. cast of players yeah. to play with.
4: Yeah, I think I think you did a great job um, delivering on promises that we made to the listeners as far as the story Good. as well with how we closed the season. There are so many threads we could pull and things that are interesting to continue, but you satisfied me a ton with like pinchy prawns and like setting up (laughs) che for like a a satisfying resolution between him and now's for now and like there's just so Mm -hmm. many moments like that that were beautiful (laughs) uh that i thought we all collectively landed but you also you know you made possible for us
2: i wasn't yeah i was not looking to to hear any of this i was more just like even because like you guys are part of the story too like you helped tell the season finale
4: you so. were fishing no i was just i know i know, I know. <laughs> justin you are the last <laughs> person to fish i know
2: i really was not <laughs> i know
4: i know i just felt like i needed to say it though mm-hmm. so thank you
2: uh in the chat Someone wants to know, Danny. uh, How did you get to the Pinchy Prawns plan? (laughs) (laughs) All right. How long did it take? Is this our final question for the night? Is this Pinchy Prawns?
1: Is it? (laughs) I don't know. Okay. So here's the thing. The episode before the season finale. At the end of that episode, Justin just throws on me. Hey, Danny. You got to come up with your plan that has basically (laughs) been like simmering and cooking up the entire season in a week (laughs) like you have mentioned this before in the beginning of the series you have a week to figure it out and i was like well i can't do that (laughs) like what
2: i think i was generous in giving you a week i wanted to just put you on the spot and just make you come up with it on the spot
1: what i would have came up with if you did that
2: it probably might have been
1: better (laughs) It might have been better. Be
2: I, ha- I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was pretty good. I I liked that as like the penultimate like cliffhanger because the one of my favorite things about Avatar is that like balance of like brevity <clears> and <throat> seriousness, and so it just felt right to like have something a little bit lighter and yeah. fun leading into one of the more emotional episodes yeah like what's
1: inevitably gonna be a very like heavy Hmm. and so yeah so i think after like the halfway point like three days after that episode came out or after we recorded it i was like all right i need to buckle down and figure this out and so i think i had texted nick yeah i texted me
6: the day of. Did the day like of? Right <laughs> the after, guys. Right after the recording, you're like, "What am I gonna do?" I work. <laughs> three days I, work, I work the service industry.
1: Time is nothing to me. I have no idea what it is. It's like a distant memory. But I texted but Nick and later, I was like, yeah. "I'm at a loss." <laughs> yeah. And Nick that was, was like, a three what days if, later text. Basically, Nick was like, "What if this? What if that? What if this?" And I was like, "That's great. Thank you so much." And so then. I wrote out a. Oh, script. so
2: you're saying that Nick came up
6: with the idea.
1: And...
2: I did
6: not
1: give him a plan.
6: Okay. Oh either. no, <laughs> I just Nick, I just gave some <laughs> things. Give me some could, concepts. The you presented the it.
2: problems, but did not <laughs> give him solutions.
1: Exactly.
6: Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> and so
1: I had written out a script. I basically just I wore I really, Alyssa, I just word vomited. <laughs> I was like, I need to do this. I I just started writing on sticky notes on my desktop and i looked at what i had made and i saw that it was okay
5: (laughs) and in the moment
1: the thing is though as we were playing it out that's when i was like oh i could add this to it and that would be cool that's when i kind of added the whole um like breath of fire moment because I was a few mm, weeks ago before yeah, that yeah, yeah. I was I rewatched Avatar for like the three hundredth time and I was on the episode where um, Iro was telling uh, Zuko how the how firebenders they like control of breath like their breath is where they get a lot of their technique uh-huh. from for their firebending and I was like oh so Dosa had probably taught um Rose like that at some point in their training because mm. Dosa was Rose like's main Firebending trainer because Sanfen could really just teach Rose like earthbending, which is where the whole like earth wall technique comes from. And so that's what that's where Rose like was like, I'm going to use this training, and I'm in this really cold area, and I'm just going to try to like center myself and just resort to the very core of where my bending abilities come from and use that. And so that was, yeah. But in huh. yeah, but to sum it up, I just spewed words out onto a keyboard. I love it. I absolutely love it.
4: <laughs> I love just picturing you just like covered in post-its like with with like almost like a like detective style wall set up with all That's the pins and strings, doing. drawn connections between like newspaper clippings and be like, "I will it's figure like that, out Pinchy prompts.
2: Like that always sunny in Philadelphia scene where Charlie's got like, like that the crazy board of all the walls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes,
1: yes. Although I find that my best ideas come from Moments like that. So I wonder if I should okay. just stop planning anything in my life in general.
6: No, well, you should plan some things. <laughs> you should plan things. <laughs> Do you plan things?
1: <laughs>
2: uh, I plan a lot of things. Justin <laughs> <and Penny>. Yeah, <laughs> plan A lot of things. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I... I think we should start wrapping up. I want to ask mm. one last question, and I think Danny has like one last topic to talk about. I'm curious if you guys have not your favorite cliffhanger from this mm. season.
7: Cliffhanger, as in like to be continued, right? Like, like yeah, like at the say. end of one of
2: our episodes, I usually try to, I
7: don't
2: know,
7: it'd be ramp me, up the
2: tension be, a little
7: bit. For me, it'd be the the finale between Liko and Jay.
2: Oh, ah, that was a fun one. That was all you guys too.
7: Yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah, that was a, a yeah.
2: That was good. I I loved that as like the the cap really to season one. Like that felt that felt right for how things would end.
7: I mean, like it also felt like it was just kind of it, it was a nice little cherry on top of everything because everyone was getting closure, right? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Steve got to say his speech. Ren got to tell Liko. Liko got to apologize. Liko got to grab her autonomy back. Uh, Rosic and Che got to um, deal with their parents. You know, Sho got to go and and serve, and you know, and get control over his life. And in that moment, where like Che and kind of Liko got together, or maybe they got together, they went out for a walk. Uh, they um it was like the two leaders of the group were kind of like on the same page and then everything was good again right. you know mm-hmm. like it just felt like it was it was just a nice little thing to look forward to to see what happens mm-hmm. after so mm-hmm. many episodes of like i don't know what's gonna happen next yeah. <laughs> this is really bad yeah, yeah, yeah
4: you're right it's a good kind of suspense it's, yeah yeah. Very exciting. Was, yeah for sure
7: yeah
5: as um, Chad something? suggested,
4: I do think Pinchy Prawns was one of the best <laughs> cliffhangers. I think we were all thrilled to know like this is when it's, it's happening now. It's this is happening. It. And we just that need to probably- know what it is.
1: That was more stressful for some reason than like <laughs> applying for college. What the <laughs> heck? <laughs>
6: I'm not kidding. He texted me immediately afterwards. Why was he that was so not, stressful? It wasn't for me. like guidance, he was looking for comfort. <laughs> <That's> probably because, <good, laughs> like, for some reason, I cared
1: about that that plan more than I did about college. Probably. So that's probably that's probably why it was stressful for me. <laughs> <It's his laughs> brand. All right, give him. Well, no, we're definitely <laughs> learning a lot
4: about Danny. Tonight. Yeah, that's
1: great. <laughs> I'm not gonna drop out of Flying a podcast. There
3: you <laughs> <go>. <laughs> Priorities.
5: Yeah. Priorities. Um,
3: my favorite cliffhanger was probably, not probably, definitely, um, <laughs> the the uh, murder. She floats part one, uh, and ending the episode with Osa falling, and there, uh, yeah. it was that? I think I got to feel a little bit of what you feel when you leave us with the cliffhangers, Justin, because like. I got to watch because I knew where I was going with Osa. You knew where I was planning on going with Osa. But at that point, I don't think it was super clear to everybody else yet. And so watching all of their faces kind of as we just end the episode with Osa hurtling down the side. And there were,
2: uh, you know, pulling back the curtain somewhat, like most of the time I've got some version of a cliffhanger prepped and loaded before we start. Recording.
5: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: I have, you know, a couple things. I'm like, I might end somewhere around here. I would do something like this. That was one where I was like, guys, I don't know how to end this episode. I think it was Steve that was like, just end it with him falling. That's a great cliffhanger. <laughs> and I'm like, I love it. You're that. right. That's a really good cliffhanger.
4: Minus the hanging part, just falling. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. It was just cliff- the cliff, cliff part. The cliff
1: faller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think. Uh, the cliffhanger that really hit me the most this season was when we went to the arena in Bossing Say. Because for oh, me yeah, in that yeah, moment, yeah. I was like, you were like, and then there are hornets, and there are these pig things, and <laughs> there's a dragon. And I was like, is ground's just- on fire?" I was like, is he just adding things in the moment to make this more terrible for us? Like, I was like, right. how much of this was planned? And how much of this is he just like <laughs> throwing onto us just to get a reaction, Justin? What are you doing? I, I was like. <laughs>
2: I actually had, so I think, and I clarified like the, the hornets and the tiny Nagi and the pig is the game that they play in the arena.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like that
2: is the, like, if you were just go there on a normal day, that's what you'd see them playing. And it would be the dumbest thing in the entire world. <laughs> and the ramp up was somehow this guy has captured a
1: dragon and has released it into the stadium. <laughs> I I, li- I was like, we're all going to die. <laughs> Yeah, I felt that way too. We're time. not getting out of this.
7: <laughs> Ooh the, the the first time we meet Boomy. Ooh, right. Oh, he walks into the arena, and, he, yeah. and that's like, a fun one, yeah. Because we, everyone kind of, well, oh, everyone who watches Avatar knows who he becomes. Yeah. And now we're yeah. like, oh, <laughs>
2: and he's that was gonna... the first legend that we met. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Technically, he would be only, a
1: legend. The yeah. only, the only legend that we
4: know. Great point. I was going to throw that in there too because. We were going into like the like tea shop that became an underground fighting ring, which was hilarious because of all these like <laughs> burly people running the tea shop, being all gruff. But like Justin always Head kind Bountains of
7: fountains everywhere. Yeah,
4: Justin always <laughs> kind of takes like a stereotype and then twists it a bit and tries to like I surprise you. <laughs> yeah, I uh, and I just loved how you did that. And then when we're downstairs, like that moment where we know we're set up for a one v one, and that Liko's the one going in to the tournament.
6: Uh, I loved that. That was a great cliffhanger. Yeah, I, th- I think my favorite is just, and I think this was mentioned in chat as well, mm-hmm. just um, the, the the arm removal of cool, uh, cliffhanger, um, because I, I immediately knew that we were going to see like very visceral reactions from every single character, obviously. Yeah. But just like I was excited to to play those out as much as I was, you know, sad about what happened. <laughs> it did. Yeah.
7: <laughs> as a listener i like that one and osa's as a player those were the two most stressful
5: for me <laughs> yeah,
7: i remember fair. being so mad at johnny for the osa things <laughs> and and at, and at you justin because i was oh my god i was just it was just really bad because i tried everything i could to save him and it just wasn't good enough and then with Liko, she didn't, i didn't have any control over it so it was very stressful for me but as a listener yeah that was great storytelling.
2: Yeah. That's interesting. Cause those are the ones that aren't like,
7: this crazy thing happens. Yeah. And
2: we'll have to yeah. f- see how it resolves next week. It was like how it, the suspense <laughs> is, how are you going to live with these, this event next episode? <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. well, that's pretty emotionally yeah. that's impactful. It's different
2: than Pinchy, pinchy Prawns. Prongs. It's um, a little
7: different than Pinchy yeah, Prawns.
2: Yeah. They're pretty close <laughs> though. In terms <laughs> no, of like I mean, emotional impact.
7: Yeah. <laughs> I guess <laughs> in a way, I
2: my favorite was uh the iron reveal. Mm. Just because I had been holding on to that one for, <laughs> for a few episodes at that point, and I was just so excited to see how you all responded. I think that
3: was the, the only cliffhanger that I can remember at oh, least yeah. that made me like want to swear at you. <laughs>
7: i forgot about that one
4: i was just gonna yeah. say i feel like for
3: season two yeah. i should take notes by
4: episode it. and like have a 10 scale of like how mad i am at mm. justin like at the yeah. end of the episode Wait, that, way, that's
5: yeah. a like that. that one i time. dug
7: in deep i forgot all about that just <laughs> 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 yeah this yeah because
4: well we, we were all collectively <laughs> so pissed you are very angry me. <laughs> that's
2: good that's oh good my stuff. god yeah <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was a good one, too. I, you know, uh, chat mentioned when uh, we find out that Nausala has been in charge of Project Spark and the Daily at that point. Oh, yeah. That was another good one. That one was even less, like, shot, like, cliffhanger and more just, like, Mm -hmm. the whole story has been building to this moment. And everything after this moment is going to be dealing with this revelation and this cliffhanger.
3: I I feel like that one was like one of those things that kind of was just like, on like it was just another thing to add to the pile. Like it was like one of those moments where it was like, Mm. of course.
2: That I loved that. I mean, we should we should yeah we should wrap up soon. Like that one for me. It's interesting you say that because for me, like in my head, I'm like this helps tie a bow on all most of the like villain threads that we've been pulling this entire season. Like that's the moment I was like. I can stop trying to like introduce a bunch of things and start trying to like you know close the close the loop on some of these stories
1: yeah dude i wish we could get to all these questions because <laughs> there are just so many good ones man
2: we just don't yeah i hey, was i was gonna say well su- support us on patreon um we want to do this regularly we would love to That's do true. Uh, a bi-weekly behind the bice it won't be all six of us hanging out these are special episodes at the end of a season, but we want to do stuff like this regularly. That way we don't have to skip over your questions. Mm -hmm. That way we can chat with you if you want and answer any questions you have. So, if you have been on the fence about supporting us on Patreon, Mm -hmm. for the price of a coffee, you can help help us get out more content, hang out with you, talk, um, and we would love your support.
4: Definitely want to do more of this. Also, if you can help us get to the point where we can do video streaming, that'd be awesome because then you can see Monroe when she's super conflicted and then does <laughs> something dark as Liko. It's a great experience for me every time. You see our reactions as
3: well. Honestly, there are a lot of moments where we all react physically and then someone's like, oh yeah, this is an audio medium. Like, why don't everybody
2: say how you
6: reacted <laughs> I got to that. say something. Oh man.
2: Yeah. Danny, any last uh, closing thoughts, closing questions? Yeah, I
1: mean, <laughs> like I said, I wish we could get to all of these ones. And I know I was just looking at this question that um, Marai, had, Marai had asked on Discord. Um, they asked, um, with the entire season under our belts, looking back, is there anything that um, we wish we could change about our characters? And I kind of had an answer, like, suing up. Um, the way that I play RPGs, Um, While I'm playing, unless it's like, unless my character does something that really, really just doesn't land or that I can tell, like maybe offends other players. I don't think I've really gone there at all yet, maybe. Um, Even if there's something that my character did that I really in the moment didn't like, I can still look back at that and say, hey, you know, I can still build off of that. I can still find a way to tell a good story from that. There are so many moments in this season where... Me playing like I just was not able to get, um, like, a piece in that maybe I wanted to in that moment. But, like, that's okay. Like, like the other players were there to tell their story. And, I don't know, it's just such a unique thing playing these DTRPGs. And it's it's kind of something that you have to, like, finesse and just have to... There's a lot of acceptance in that, too. Like, hey, maybe... Like I might do something I regret, or maybe I regret not doing something, but you know that's okay. My character still grows as long as you know I'm playing them. But that's it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so the questions: If there's anything we regret, but
2: like well, like would go back, we'll go and back and change. change. I yeah. think, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
3: I I have a, a couple of regrets about, um, Osa, but like there are things that. I can like i'm not gonna say what they are because there's things There are things that can potentially become part of a growth arc instead of just something i regret um but with Shoban, i regret not making the the and part of this was just because everything was kind of happening on the fly but i kind of regret not making the the, the delineation between Shoban and, and gami a little bit more clear mm. and a little bit more like obvious that these are functionally two different people that just look the same Uh,
7: for me uh, as a player I don't really have anything that I regret just because I feel like just about everything that Liko has done um I wouldn't say has been justified because I would be like the wrong word but it would be it was she paid for it you know there Mm. was a there Mm. was she committed something and then had to learn from that and now has to live with it um but as Liko I would say her biggest regret would be the, you know, the bloodbending
5: hmm.
7: with the elderly couple. That was, yeah. I, I didn't even like that. I almost was brought to tears when I made that role because uh, that was, that was hard for me too. And I was really disappointed in Liko for doing that.
2: Mm. That was another one, one of those moments that I think we all stopped for a moment. and were like, all right. Okay. Yeah, let's go for yeah. it. <laughs> let's keep yeah.
5: Going.
4: <clears throat> I would say that in terms of general character design, I have no regrets uh, for Ren. I'd say that in terms of decisions, I made a poor player decision on the last episode of season one. I could have easily pushed Ren off of his balance track um, earlier on by simply asking johnny to respond mm-hmm. to ren in the jail cell um by uh, what is the mechanic called justin it's uh, it's just uh okay, guiding cool. comfort if he guided, guided and comforted, comforted me yep. he would yeah, have pushed me off the track instead of essentially me initiating a guiding comfort and then him responding um that would have given me a much better pacing for the end of the season and allowed ren to have some better moments But uh, I think what instead we saw was like Ren pushed to the forgiveness extreme at the absolute worst moment when his friends needed him and things still working out good anyway but like (laughs) it was definitely like embarrassing. I think we'll play that out for Ren and see how Ren processes that but it was also embarrassing for me as a player to be like this is my grand moment I'm going to drop (laughs) my weapons and appeal to you and three people will be like yeah we agree we're gonna leave and uh (laughs) I was like, this is not what I envisioned. And then Ren gets (laughs) taken away in chains. So you know what's actually,
2: uh, I'm glad you brought this up. Because I think I wanted to say this too a couple times now. Which is, that was actually a much bigger play than you think happened. Because mechanically, when you've got groups of NPCs, they're depending on how many of them are in the group they're always one tier above one to you know they're a tier above what they would normally be that group of npcs was the same tier as nowzow and by having three people leave that group you brought them down which ended up being a five fatigue and two condition swing so like that's it feels not as big I'm talking to you as a as a player yeah because i want to i want to encourage you that that wasn't as useless as you think it was yeah that actually allowed lico and rosak and show to take them out much faster than they would have before
4: well there's a the silver lining yeah
2: yeah there you go and you paid for it right like you but like that's that's the thing it was a big swing you ended up doing something that maybe didn't feel as cool. And maybe that was just it. Maybe the regret is we didn't uh, narrate that as well. And so it felt yes. uh, uh, useless. Um, but I I can remember that moment. And I remember taking away some fatigue boxes and taking away some condition boxes.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm still waiting to cash in my moment of balance. So we'll see. It'll come.
6: Yeah. Um. My name is Chino Launcher, and I have no regrets.
5: (laughs) Yes! Yes! Yes!
4: Not a one. (laughs) When I meet you in person, Nick, I need you to say that for me.
1: (laughs) Oh, that would be so cool to play at an actual table.
4: Y'all, I was watching videos of Gen Con.
2: We gotta get to Gen Con next year.
6: Mm. Okay. My friend was there. We think you got
2: COVID. I have talked to many people that got COVID from Gen
1: yeah. Con. Gen-com yeah, Gen was a super spreader. It was definitely a super Gen, spreader. Gen Con, more like Gen COVID. general Convid. GenCon. Gen Con, okay.
4: And on that lesser oh, note, yeah. we're falling off. We're falling <laughs> off. <laughs>
6: thank you for coming. <laughs>
2: uh, well, we just want to thank you for listening to our first season. Of the Flying Bison Podcast. We're not planning to end anytime soon. We are planning to have a number of more episodes. So there will be more of these behind the Bison episodes. If we meet our Patreon goal, they'll be more regular. If not, we'll get to it at the end of the second season. And I know I am very excited for what the second season is going to bring. I have Mm. started to brainstorm some some ideas and I, I think i think we'll get some good ones out there
3: want to play so many new characters
2: so, johnny just try and stick <laughs> to try and stick to one my friend just try and stick to one uh, <laughs>
6: okay, at, at three.
2: next <laughs> next week we will be releasing uh our brindlewood bay starting to release our brindlewood bay Mini campaign it was four episodes. Yeah, They're so fun. Uh, it's the the five of us and our new friend Nikki, and it was so much fun. It was so much fun. It ended way better than I could have hoped,
5: mm-hmm. and I
2: can't wait for you all to listen to it. Uh, I will. I, I'll put a content warning at the beginning of the first episode, uh, just due to the nature of the game. It's a little bit darker than Avatar is.
4: Um more like scary dark than anything else. It's
2: scary dark. It's not like gory dark or uh, like mature, but it's it's very discomforting in many scenes, for sure. So if you're not in that mood, uh, maybe hold off until you're in a better mood to listen to it. And have a cozy a activity. Month, have a cozy activity. <laughs> uh, in a month we'll be back with the first episode of season 2. So after Brindlewood Bay Oof. will be season 2. I am excited. Awesome. Thank you all I'm for so playing. Forward to that. Thank you all for chatting. And thank you all for listening. And we hope that you've got a great day ahead of you. And we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. See you. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye. Bye. Avatar Legends was developed and produced by Magpie Games. The worlds of Avatar The Last Airbender and Avatar The Legend of Korra are property of Viacom CBS. Intro music is Dizu by Senbei outro music is tokyo funk by latg music logo and art by kate and matthew Linkey. you can find more of their work at promican.com link in the show notes